Well, that went over time, didn't it? And now we're waiting on Tim Riley. Hello, Tim. How are you? We didn't want you to miss it, Tim. We didn't want you to miss the beginning of the program today. I, I don't either. All right. How is everybody? Fine, well, thank you. All right. So we uh, we should thank Calvin for this. So uh, listener Calvin sent us something. And then I, uh, I sort of tweaked it, made it a little bit longer, but this is from listener Calvin. Uh, he sent this in at the end of yesterday's program, and we figured, what better way to start Thursday? Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Rick Emerson Show. What kind of, you know, what, what are my choices for bread? And she said, white wheat, sourdough, English muffin, bagel. White wheat, sourdough, English muffin, bagel. White wheat, sourdough, English muffin, bagel. And clearly she had it hold down to like a whole David Mamet-esque like flow. White wheat, sourdough, English muffin, bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin, bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin, bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin, bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin, bagel. 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 What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin, bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin, bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin, bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin, bagel. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And guess what was in my head all morning long? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin, bagel. Bagel. There you go. Fantastic. Hello. Live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970, this, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 7 minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11 and this, the month of June in the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming along, making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970, Solid State Radio. And so forth, white wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. Uh, if you would like to join us today, it's 503-733-2970. 503 2970. If you'd like to weigh in today with your comments, questions, clarifications, kvetches, ruminations, and how that song has already wormed its way into your brain like some sort of a mental tapeworm, white wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. White wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. <laughs> oh, man. I'm That's so glad I'm you wrote that down, though. Isn't that great? It has such a flow. Yeah, no, I was sitting there. I was having a, having breakfast at Gustav's, uh, that, which is the, 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 the German food place or whatever, at, at uh, Portland Airport. So I was at the PDX, and I was waiting to fly out, and I was there, and the woman, and it's not just that she said it to me, like if she had just done it one, because I said, I'm now recapping the whole story, but uh, but I was there having breakfast, and the woman came by, and she's like, okay, do you want, you know, you want sausage or bacon? And I said, I'll take bacon, please. And she said, okay, would you like uh, toast or hash browns? And I said, what are my options for toast, please? And she said, am I saying it? What did she say, Sarah? I can't keep saying it because I'm never going to be able to forget it. White wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. Exactly. That's exactly what she said. White wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. <laughs> and and I said, okay. And it sort of, you know, it kind of tickled my brain a little bit. I thought, okay, that's, that's an interesting sort of way that she said that. And then I didn't really think about it. But then literally within about 45 seconds, I think she'd walked to three different tables and immediately taken their orders. And she said it just in rapid succession. And that's when I, turned, I, I, I found the rhythm of the thing, as Hunter Thompson would say. White wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. Uh, anyway, so I made a note to myself, and I forgot all about it until Monday when we set it on the air, and that's when that guy, uh, that's when that guy put that deal. Let's do it one more time here. Okay, I really believe so, What yeah. kind of, you know, what, what are my choices for bread? And she said, she said, white wheat, sourdough, English muffin, bagel. 
White Wheat Sourdough English Muffin Bagel. White Wheat Sourdough English Muffin Bagel. And clearly she had it hold down to like a whole David Mamet-esque like flow. White Wheat Sourdough English Muffin Bagel. What are my choices for bread? White Wheat Sourdough English Muffin Bagel. What are my choices for bread? White Wheat Sourdough English Muffin Bagel. What are my choices for bread? White Wheat Sourdough English Muffin Bagel. What are my choices for bread? White Wheat Sourdough English Muffin Bagel. 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 What are my choices for bread? White Wheat Sourdough English Muffin Bagel. What are my choices for bread? White Wheat Sourdough English Muffin Bagel. What are my choices for bread? White Wheat Sourdough English Muffin Bagel. What are my choices for bread? White Wheat Sourdough English Muffin Bagel. Jesus, Jesus. That's wonderful. It really is fantastic. That really is amazing. <laughs> Thank you, Calvin. You're a good person. It's 503. That's what I'm saying. It's going to be there all day. 503-733-2970 is our phone number today. Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, or the absurdly repetitive. It's 503-733-2970. You can join us via email if you like as well. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com, uh, Sarah at 970.am, Tim at 970.am, or Richie with a T at 970.am. Uh, Here's what's coming up later on today. CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins uh, will join us today. Uh, let's see, what else do we have? Uh, we'll be talking to uh, Rachel McGrath from Los Angeles, where there's yet another member of the Spears brood, which I didn't even really, I'd sort of forgotten about it. Because there's that whole thing of Jamie Lynn Spears is pregnant, then she wasn't pregnant, then she was threatening to sue, then she wasn't suing, then she had the baby bump, then she was strapping it down, then she was gone. And I guess now she's had the baby, which is yeah. strange, because it seems like she just announced she was pregnant a little while ago. Isn't it funny? She just announced it in December, and uh, it's only been six months. That is mm -hmm. odd. Uh, so on that note, we'll also talk to Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer today. Uh, the National Enquirer, who the first ones to say that she was pregnant, and I think the, the Spears family put up some... Sort of, some sort of really vitriolic denial about it, which appears to have been a sham. You mean they lied? Uh, they did lie, Tim. They bore false witness against their neighbor and us, more specifically, and against the National Enquirer. So, uh, we'll also do the uh, top five today. Uh, KUFO program director Chris Paddock will join us in the studio to count down the top five songs that begin with sound effects. The top five songs uh, that begin with sound effects. We'll also talk about the 14 songs you never need to play in a barroom jukebox ever again. We'll have another exciting installment of Goth or not. Um, and uh, don't forget today, one random caller uh, will win a copy of Backlash 2006 on DVD and the official Backlash 08 t-shirt in support of Backlash 2008. If you missed Backlash on Sunday, April 27th, you have time to catch the replay. It's the fallout from WrestleMania 24 with Undertaker, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Chris Jericho, Batista, Rey Mysterio, Randy Orton, Edge, and your favorite superstars. Contact your pay-per-view provider today to find out how you can catch the replay of Backlash uh, so we'll be giving that away as we play uh, Goth or Not later on in today's uh, program. And uh, whatnot. All right, Tim Riley working on the following stories for your edification today. The back-looking burglar pleads not guilty. Two teenage girls who allegedly hit an old lady on the max and stole her purse will be tried as adults. Good. The outrage continues as Oregon lawmakers uh, pledge to change the law to charge these faith-healing crazies with crimes. Obama will not use federal money for his election. Governor Schwarzenegger breaks with his party. He's dead set against oil drilling off the California coast. The Japanese create a robot for lonely men. A Nebraska girl uh, fights a 65-day bout with the hiccups. Florida deputies are reprimanded for horseplay involving an alligator and a bitten officer. 
You know, by the way, horseplay is sort of the uh, horseplay is the safer work version of what my grandfather used to call it. My grandfather didn't call it horseplay. My grandfather would call it playing grab ass. And grab ass was, and he would just, and he would sort of say it in this weird, sort of creaky old man slash pervert voice, quit playing grab ass. And then you just, even just saying it now makes me feel creeped out. Um, Big Jim from uh, Rock 101 KUFO will join us uh, later on today as well. I don't know what this story is about, um, but just making a note to myself, because we've also got a triple corpse watch today. Not a single, not a double. In fact, a triple corpse watch uh, today and a Darwin watch, I believe. And also the most horrifying story about teen pregnancy. Uh, we've got that. It's all because of Juno, you know. That's exactly what it's because of. That and gay and Jamie Lynn Spears. <laughs> Juno and Jamie Lynn Spears and gay marriage are the cause of all of the social decay now. Mm-hmm. So we'll get the Triple Corpse Watch. We have a Darwin Watch coming up. So Big Jim from KUFO uh, cornered Richie yesterday. And how do I put this? Because it's sort of vague. I don't really know all the details. Um, so Jim sort of was talking to Richie and apparently has a fascinating yet horrifying story to tell. I don't know what the story's about. Here's what I know. I know the story involves a strip club and some steak. Oh, I man. think I'm pretty sure if I've got the story correct. I think that's, that's all. I, can you drop my microphone ever yeah. so slightly? Thank you. And that's all I really know about it. Is it involves a, an, the strip club together? I don't really know. That it, literally what I've told you is everything I know about it. It, it, it. Big Jim has a story involving, I do believe, an adult dancing establishment and a piece of steak. I guess or steak in general. Um, so he, we didn't have time to talk to him yesterday, so he's going to come on the uh, on the show today and, and talk to us about that. So anyway, it's all it's all very jam packed today. Joined uh, today and always by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dylan, hello, how are you today? Hi, hi. I'm doing well. Went bowling last night. I did really crappy, but other than that. Now is this like another? Well. Is this like a company bowling thing you're doing again? No, no. It's just this place that I go to has uh, a really cheap bowling night, and it happens to be on Wednesday. So um, the past few weeks I've been doing bowling. Plus, I have my own ball now since I found it at Goodwill. So, did that last night. Is it like the opaque kind with the rose in the center of it? What does it look like? No, it's super cool. It's like all, uh, well, his name's Jim, because I think it, belo- well, it belongs to somebody named Jim, and it's etched on the top. It says Jim, and his fingers fit mine exactly, and it's purple and green, and it's called a slime ball, and it has like a picture of Slimer on the side of it. It's the coolest. Slimer from Ghostbusters? Yeah. Where did you find that? At uh, Goodwill or oh, that ain't right. Army. You know, you find the coolest stuff. You really do. You know, I could go shopping for bowling balls the whole live long day, and I'd never find that. It was, right on. Good for it you. It was $4. Actually, it was of, <laughs> of course it was. Wonderful. So did my bowling. How are you? I am fantastic. I'm sort of uh, I'm waiting for all the caffeine to sort of uh, to sort of catch up into my body. So I bicycled again today. I did, too. And I, you know, and it was one of those things I was talking to, uh, to Lisa Wood about this, where it's, it, it, the, as I've said a, a billion times, once I, if I can get my ass on the bicycle, and begin pedaling, then it's no problem. You know, and it, you know, it's exercise and it sucks sometimes and you're tired or whatever. It's just, it's just the getting up and getting out to the garage and getting on the freaking bicycle and starting. I mean, what I've never ever regretted bicycling once I start doing it. It's just, it's as she said, it, it's so hard to walk past the car because I have to walk by my keys in my hand. That's the other thing. It is like some weird gauntlet of of personal will, where I have the keys in my hand because I gotta, you know, I gotta, I gotta. Um, you know, I gotta lock the, the front door of the house, and so I walk out, and I have to walk by my car with its sunroof and its stereo and its heated seats mm-hmm. uh, to get into the garage to get on my bike. You know, in the case it's like cold and it's whatever, but you know, once I once I start doing it, then I'm uh, 
Once I start doing it, then I'm fine. So I try to only ride, uh, drive my car like once a day. So if you're, I know that I'm going to have to drive later on today. So, so I'm like, well, because I was going to ride my bike anyway. But I'm like, I figure I'm not wasting gas, you know, driving from my house to here and back. And I will say in advance, by the way, so that nobody gives me the scornful stink eye, I will not be uh, bicycling tomorrow because I have yet another shrink appointment. So I will not be. And it's, Rick, like, honestly, there are no broken hearts about this anymore. <laughs> it's not like, oh, God, you've ridden your bike twice in the past year. You're not going to do it tomorrow. Heaven forbid. <laughs> There's no longer. I have no one left to disappoint, Sarah. Nobody can be disappointed. You've broken us all. I've just, really, I've, just, I've lowered the bar so much that the bar the bar I mean, can't even much, be seen anymore. How much lower can you get from basically stealing $6,000 from mentally retarded children? There's no lower. That is true. Thank you for putting it no in. No problem. Thank you for putting in those stark terms. Um, all right, let's see. Uh, so what else do we have? Just um, I have this thing about, this thing about the, the, the what, what is this note that I wrote to myself? I wrote a note to myself about, oh, this is a little bit of business just left over my vacation. So I saw the worst thing for sale. It was like in a, you know, it wasn't like a head shop, but it was like one of those hippie places. It's like one of those presents of mine kind of places where you go and there's like a lot of crystals and like tapestries blowing in the wind. And on the wall, there's like a silk screen of Jim Morrison. So we were just sort of wandering around in the beach community where we were spending our vacation. And we walked into a store and I saw the worst thing on sale. I swear to God, it was, it was incense that smelled like Drakkar. And I don't know, seeing your facial expression says it all like... Dracar Noir. Exactly. Well, there's only... Are there other fragrances from Dracar? I don't think so. Is Noir the only one? All I remember is just like when I was in eighth grade, like just boys drenched with that stuff. That's the other thing about it, too, is the two things. First of all, uh, there does seem to be some correlation between bad cologne and dumb people. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's just that the guy you know that wears Drakkar, or when I was, here's the thing that I would wear. When I was in high school, I would wear Stetson uh, because it was cheap. And, of course, it, it, when, and when you're a boy, you just have the idea, you know, when you're a teenage, uh, you know, like 13, 14, 15, you have the idea that women just go nuts for that. Like, the whole idea is that women just, you know, the more cologne you can wear, the better. And so I would wear uh, Stetson because I do believe it was like $2.50 for like a gigantic uh, jug of it. And then I went through a phase where I just wore English leather. Uh, and English leather, English leather is even worse. English leather, English leather, it, it smells like you've just come from a mortuary. I mean, it smells as though someone has rolled you in embalming fluid. Um, and then, of course, everybody went up to Drakkar, which we liked because it came in like this matte black finish bottle, uh, which made it seem sort of sophisticated. So there I am in the store, and they're selling Drakkar incense. Like in case just in case just slathering your body with that hideous cologne isn't bad enough, now you can burn something to make your entire place smell like it, even when you're not around. Uh, all right. So uh, before we do anything else, let me just say: so we were playing the uh, we were playing the the uh, white wheat sourdough English muffin bagel thing, and you know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of. Do you remember the knife and a fork song? Have you ever heard the knife and a fork song? I don't know, because every time I think of the. Um, uh, do you want tissue? No, I'm fine. I just uh, no, I'm fine. I just. Okay. Hang on, um, whenever I think about I that, sneeze. I keep thinking of the two all beef patty special sauce lettuce cheese pickles onions on sesame seed bun. That's all I can hear. Because it's, it begins the same thing, right? Where it's the sort of rhythm and it gets stuck inside your head. Let me see if I can play this one. This is an information society song, and this is what I thought of. When I heard that the white weed sourdough English muffin bagel in the spike. One, two, three, four. If you're all gathered close around the phonograph and listen carefully. So the white weed sourdough English muffin bagel thing, in some weird way, got this going around in my head. Because this is one of those things you hear and it just lodges in your brain for the rest of the day. Uh, this is off their, uh, their second full leg album, uh, Hack. Which came out, uh, I don't know, some years back. A knife and a fork, a bottle and a fork. That's the way to spill New York. 
And it's just this for three and a half minutes. I don't think I've heard that. So it's just this boy saying, a knife, a fork, a bottle, and a cork. That's the way you spell New York. And you don't really think it's as insidious as it is until you hear it for about 90 seconds, and then you realize that for the rest of the day, you're walking around saying a bunch of gibberish and nonsense out loud for no reason. A knife and a fork, a bottle and a cork. That's the way to spell New York. So there's a whole generation of... I have to turn this off. It's driving me crazy already. I don't even know where it went. All right, there we go. So <laughs> It'll never a, end. I've never heard that. Oh, it's, But it's now a, it's already in my but, head. But see, that's what I'm saying. It, 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 and, it's, and you nailed it yesterday when you said it was like the two all-beef patty special sauce, pickles, lettuce, cheese, onions on a sesame seed. Why do I know that? For the love of God. You inverted two of them. Did I see? But I always do it. I always invert... Two all-beef patty special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. First of all... I always invert the same two. Secondly, it doesn't even make any sense that you would know that because that's way before your I, time. I don't even know how I know. I think that they, like, rebirthed it in some ad campaign a few years ago. And they bring it back. back? Yeah. Is there anything else that's like that? Oh, wait, you know, here's another one like that. Here's another one that's like... Hey, it's Mike Stern from the Chicago... What? 38 Mike Stern. So here's... So we've got the uh, knife, and a, knife and a fork, a bottle and a cork. That's the way you spell New York. We've got white wheat sourdough English muffin bagel. We've got the Every big. Every time you say it, I always want to say it right after. We've you. got the we've got the Big Mac one, which is what again? Do it correctly for me. Two all beef patty, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. And then there is wait for it. The nighttime sniffling, sneezing, coughing, stuffy head fever, achy. No, oh, damn it! No, I've blown it. I could have. Nighttime sniffling, sneezing, coughing, stuffy head, achy fever, so you can rest medicine. Jesus, I don't even know who what most of my elected um, representatives are. What about the Pepto Bismol one? Which Something is... heartburn and ingestion upset stomach diarrhea. A Pepto Bismol. I don't know. No, I don't know that one. That's a new one. It's been out for a couple of years. How does it go? What's the first part, Tim? There's also, by the way, since we're talking about, it, for no readily apparent reasons, since we're talking about weird advertising slogans. So there was the night, there was the night, the Nyquil one, which was the nighttime sniffling, sneezing, coughing, stuffy head, achy fever, so you can rest medicine. And and imagine how many times I must have seen that commercial for that to be stuck in my head. I mean, that, when you look back and you realize exactly how many minutes of your life you have spent waiting in television advertising, but there was a, but there was a different version of it. There was a day daytime variation for Dayquil, which was the bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, sharp-eyed something something so you can work medicine, which I don't remember. This is the worst discussion okay. we've ever. There's, there's no point. In it. Yeah, it's nausea, heartburn, and ingestion of stomach diarrhea. And diarrhea is just pleasant to hear over and over again. You know, can I say this about diarrhea? <laughs> Here's the thing about diarrhea. I would say that diarrhea is one of those words that, where the word itself is really pleasant sounding, uh, but it's just what it describes is horrible. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, linguistically speaking, any of those words that end in that, gonorrhea. That's a pleasant sounding word. I was just looking to the vandals of fast diarrhea together at the end just, of it's, album. it's a word that has sort of a pleasant flow to it. I, mean, I, I can't If only it wasn't you. describing uncontrollable bowel leakage. I cannot, I cannot see the pleasantness. All right. Well, shall we uh, play something into a break here, Sarah? Yeah. I'll play us into a break. We'll come back. Lisa Desjardins around the corner. Uh, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth with the top five. Rachel McGrath, Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer. Fourteen songs never to play in a barroom jukebox again, goth or not. Uh, and your phone calls. It's 503-733-2970. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. What kind of, you know, what, what are my choices for bread? And she said, white wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. White wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. White wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. 
And clearly she had it hold down to like a whole David Mamet-esque like flow. White wheat, sourdough, no, English muffin bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. 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 What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. Jesus, Jesus. Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. It's one of those days where I realize it's 33 minutes after the hour. We haven't done anything worthwhile. Nothing of value. We've wasted 33 minutes of CBS airtime. We've filled it with nothing, with blather, with dreck. It's been sort of the audio equivalent of strawberry fluff. Just a big jar of empty calories. Leaves you sad and self-hating. Well, what can you do? It's 503-733-2970. Uh, still to come, CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Uh, CNN Radio correspondent Rachel McGrath from Los Angeles. Uh, we'll do the top five songs that start with sound effects. Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth, and we'll play a goth or not uh, for a copy of Backlash 2006. Let's now welcome to the Rick Emerson Show uh, from Rock 101 KUFO, our good friend Big Jim. Hello, sir. How are you? Uh, I am fantastic. Is this your strawberry fluff? It is not my strawberry. And that has actually made its way around uh, through the kitchenette into a couple other rooms. And I am just intrigued that anyone in this day and age still has a, a, a taste for the strawberry fluff. It's a, here's the thing we were talking about, and this is another thing we got to get to um, on an already sort of overcrowded day. We have to talk about. We had this idea of doing a sort of have doing like a shame like a shame food buffet tomorrow Ooh. because we had a whole conversation the other day about uh, it was sort of a high concept topic uh, called what do you eat when no one else is around <laughs> and there was a whole lot of like I blend up uh, peanut butter and cream cheese and vodka uh, in my Cuisinart and then I just spoon it into my mouth with tortilla chips oh it's a Reese's smoothie that's yes, <laughs> and, and so we were going to do a whole thing tomorrow. Where we had like five or six of those sort of foods kind of brought mm. in uh, in any event. But somebody said that this strawberry fluff in the kitchen belonged to you. No, unfortunately, so I, I don't know I why was... they, her brain immediately went to you with that. No, I have uh, I have got horrible. I've got like Billy Goat style uh, tastes in food. There are things <laughs> that I eat that just should not be. But if if that were mine, I would totally own up to it and take uh, take credit for it. I would hide can rolled it in pesto. Of, it fascinates me. I don't even know what that stuff would look like out of the jar. Strawberry fluff. It's like it's like um, marshmallow fluff. It's, it's like ready whip, but marshmallow, right? Yeah. And in, and in it's a like jar. A thicker. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, if you ever make fluffernutter sandwiches when you were a kid. Mm-mm. I think that's an oh. East Coast thing. You're from the East Coast, though, right? That is correct. All right. Um, Not well, proud of it. Do you have a moment? Do you have to be somewhere? I uh, my time is yours, oh, my can friend. You, can you hang for a I second? I can hang. All right. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show CNN Radio. Run the hill. The one and only Lisa Desjardins. Hello. Her voice changed. <laughs> I was. <laughs> She's singing. <laughs> well, okay. Well, that was a big overture, little show right there. She heard us talking about strawberry fluff, and she. Let me just. I will not. Seven hundred and twenty calories. Maybe she heard the word fluffer. And... <laughs> not my week. Not my she week. She called Z by mistake. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the Hill. It's going to be one of those days. CNN radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Hello. 
Hey, guys. Hi, how are you today? I'm, I'm good. How are you? We're okay. We're having a little bit of a... Uh, One of those days. Sometimes it's ghosts in the machine. Sometimes it's just you shouldn't be allowed to run a radio program. <laughs> and uh, today it is the latter, not the former. How are you? Were, you were gone for quite some time. I'm good. You know, yeah, I had three days off. Uh, CNN, <clears throat> excuse me, CNN gives us the time off. Uh, it's a long story. They let people leave early on Fridays, but news people can't do it, so they just gave us three days off instead. And I wish I could say I did something exciting. I basically caught up on, I saw doctors and uh, saw my mom, helped my dad with his computer. Uh, that was about it. All right. Well, you know, it, that is exactly the sort of, uh, it is the sort of pure virtuous lifestyle that we expect that you yeah, need I anyway. Yeah, I know. I'm so. sad to report it. No. It's so, so lame. But I yelled at, I, you know, I had been putting all this stuff off for forever, so. You know, the Rick Emerson show is the house of lameness, so it's okay. You you <laughs> need you need not be ashamed of your, uh, you know, relatively simple social life here, Lisa Desjardins. Oh, hey, let me tell you this. Before we do anything else, before we talk about actual news today. Um, so we have, um, you know, our good friend Todd the Corpse, uh, one of the of script supervisors for the listener party yeah so he sent me this email and the subject line is the name Desjardins Rick I was watching stand by me and while the end credits were rolling I told my wife see I not only look like Will Wheaton but I'm exactly like his character she was politely ignoring me when I saw the name Desjardins scroll across the screen it turns out that Desjardins was wait for it the last name of one of Kiefer Sutherland's bully squad in stand by me no says Todd the Corpse, who uh, never lies because he's a man of Jesus. So Wow. He So I don't know. So there was... So now I'm trying to think in my head of the, the key person. There was... So he is Ace, right? Is Ace... Is Keeper Sutherland Ace? Is that his character in Stand By Me? There's Ace and Eyeball. I don't know. Was, what is it again? Chris Chambers, kid brother to Eyeball Chambers. So Eyeball Chambers is not Keeper Sutherland. That's one of the other kids. There's the three. There's the three kids in Keeper Sutherland's gang. There's Keeper Sutherland, who yes. I believe is Ace. Then there are the two kids who boosted the car, saw Ray Brower's body, and then had to be bullied into going out to see it at the end of the movie by Keeper Sutherland himself. Right, right, right. right. And the one kid is sort of stocky with short brown hair, and the other kid is kind of like a Matthew Lillard kind of looking guy. He's all wiry with like spiky blonde hair. That's right. Ooh, I hope that. I hope. I, hope, I, hope. I realize now as we're like wading into this, this is the most niche conversation on earth, and probably interesting to nobody but you and I and another guy named Desjardins and Will Wheaton. Yeah. And Will Wheaton, exactly. You know, and I'm actually frantically looking through IMDb to try and sort this all out, and uh, so far, no luck. Anyway, so there you go. All oh, right. Well, that's exciting. You know, and Tyler Moody, my boss at CNN Radio, actually, who is in uh, Montreal for a conference sent me um, a picture from his BlackBerry of, uh, I guess there's an AT, there's a Desjardins bank in Canada. And so is this, now, I, just not to go back into last year, <laughs> but is this a name that Jason chose because it's like his family name, or is it a name that like he picked out of a, like, what to yeah. name your new bride book? This, <laughs> this was his, his name as a child, and he thought that this was his family until he had, you know, the traumatic, 11-year-old year when his mom said, actually, no, that's not your dad, and we're divorcing, by the way, oh. and we're going to change your name to Sporbert. I don't think I knew that. That's a whole big bag of bad is what it, that is. It, 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 that's, it that's like an onion of unpleasant news that just continues to unfold. It was a terribly, and we're moving to Connecticut. So it was really, it was a bad, bad year. And yeah, Ace Merrill, you are, you are correct. Okay, so Ace Merrill, is that Keeper Sutherland? Yes, that's Keeper Sutherland. Okay, okay, and then there is Eyeball Chambers, who is the... Who is the the yeah. uh, brown haired guy, and that is uh, River right. Phoenix's older brother. Yeah, my guy Vince Desjardins is Jason Oliver. Has Jason Oliver done anything else worthwhile? 
No, Jace, that's the character name. Oh, no, no, that's... No, I'm sorry. Jason Oliver, you're right. Uh, let's see. I, Is I, it a whole lot of straight-to-video movie starring Tanya Harding? Ooh, it does look like it. Uh, let's see. Class of 1999. Mm-hmm. The Wizard. <laughs> uh, Highway in, Highway to Heaven. Just look for look for a lot of things saying, also starring Jan Michael Vincent. That's going to be your... <laughs> That's going to be your that's going to be your straight to DVD roadmap there. You get the one episode of Twenty One Jump Street, the one episode of uh, ABC After School Special. Wow! Do you do Three O'clock High? Three O'clock. He, he did not do Three O'clock High. We just come up now high. a couple times. That's great. Hmm. So you know, every time we talk about Three O'clock High, we find one other person who's seen it. Oh, dude, Jerry! It's a fantastic. You and me, Three O'clock. We're gonna fight in the parking lot, <laughs> Jerry. <laughs> That was, oh, awesome. that's creepy the way you do that voice, man. Oh, I, I, I was like one of a, a small group of people in my my school that actually saw that, and we coveted it. We loved see, that that's movie. The thing is, but it's a movie. See, three o'clock. We are just so all over the place today. <laughs> Add uh, Wednesday. You know Thursday. what? You know what today is? Today is like one of those. Um, today is like one of those machines uh, at the mall where you put a quarter in, and it's a bunch of plastic Easter eggs filled with crap. Uh, <laughs> and we're just sort of reaching in randomly and opening up. And like three o'clock high. Stand by me. Funding for the Afghanistan war. You know, the McDonald's jingles. Uh, so, <laughs> in any event. Um, but, you know, Three O'Clock High is such a great movie, and it's a movie that... It, it is one of those films that you think you are the only one to have seen it because it, just, it never got much uh, it never got much traction, you know. But it's just and Buddy Ravel is one of the all time great sort of uh, sort of charismatic villains. He really is. It's true. Um, and you know that guy is in um, that guy is in something about Mary too. If you see, there's something about Mary. He's one of the cops that interrogates Ben Stiller about being caught at the rest station. That's right. J- Jason spotted that the other day when we were watching something about Mary. He's like, that's the guy from Three O'clock High. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's all in any event. So. Also, kindergarten comp. I, I mean, that's standard humor. To kick us back into, uh, I, I don't, I don't know if this will be any better of a topic, uh, but I just this second, actually one minute ago, got an email from Hillary Clinton uh, with the subject line: "Incredible people, incredible memories." Which uh, basically, uh, she's she's fundraising, but she's like, I hope you'll take a moment to view our online album with some favorite photos from the campaign. And that's clearly a subject line that's been recycled from somebody's high school graduation <laughs> presentation. Yeah, by the theme. way, welcome to the yeah, seriously <laughs> election under the sea. You know, um, I, I think it tells me that now she she really actually has no other staff, and I think she herself probably compose this email and what am, what that what am I going to put in this subject line ah incredible people incredible memories whatever she probably was looking at her high school yearbook when she you know what she's texting that subject line on her blackberry from a beach somewhere <laughs> where she's trying to drink her pain away you know it's true uh, we should say just a little bit of, can I say that on the air can I announce that Sarah yeah okay so we should do a little bit of business here uh, so it's kind of a kind of a crazy day here in just a few yeah. moments we will be joined in the studio uh, by the one and only Chuck Polinick uh, who is uh, out and about talking about his new book Snuff. So in a few okay. minutes on the Rick Emerson show, we will talk to Chuck Polinick. Um So I, I know we're kind of running terribly overtime uh, here, right. but uh, so I, I wanted to ask this. Do you want to hit? I just wanted to ask it really quickly um, about uh, about the funding for the war because there was this sort of point where. There was this point where about every two or three weeks, uh, you know, it, like the Congress and the president were all kind of facing off about the funding. Yeah. And then it was like this big sort of game of chicken to go back to the standby me thing again. And but now that time seems to have passed. Now it seems like there's just so much like somebody proposes the dollar figure and somebody else says yes. And then they kind of move forward. The, the days <laughs> of fighting about it sort of seem to be past us. Well, here's I mean, this really is kind of um, it, this is this is sort of they, they've built up this plot for so long 
and now, now actually nobody is watching anymore. Nobody cares. But, but this actually, there is a bit of a milestone here uh, in that now Democrats have, in fact, given President Bush all of the money he's requested for the war. They, they have not been able to override his veto when it comes to this issue. And they have now again agreed to give him, this time, $162 billion. That's for Iraq and Afghanistan. And what's significant here, why this is a milestone, is this um, – with it very, very likely is the last request this president will have for that war. So essentially it means that President Bush has been successful in getting all of the money that he's requested. And it shows you the power of the presidency. It shows you that he has been able to hold on to enough Republicans to get this done. And Democrats have known that that, that they could not possibly win uh, in getting a timeline attached to this as money, which is what they've tried so many times to do. So instead this time uh, they weren't going to put a schedule or a troop withdrawal mandate. Instead, this time as part of the deal, we'll give you your money if you give us money for two things. One, extending uh, help to the unemployed, meaning that the unemployed would get 13 more weeks of benefits. We've talked about that when they were trying to do it as a separate issue. Now they've lumped this in with the war money. And the second thing they've gotten out of this deal is more money for uh, for returning veterans, essentially, to help them uh, pay for four years of tuition. So it's kind of fascinating. Both Democrats here are trying to set themselves up for the election, appealing to their base by getting some money for the unemployed and also saying, hey, look, look who's helping veterans. It's not Republicans. It's Democrats. Now, Republicans will make a different argument, but uh, a lot of politics going on. And essentially what's happened is uh, both sides have said, hey, we don't want to spend a lot of money, but um, OK, let's do it. <laughs> it really is proof that the, the being in the White House is just the biggest home court advantage in the world, because just yes. by sort of dint of being the president, it, it, it seems like the default position is you will sort of end up on, on the winning side of things most of the time. Yes, especially when you have the Senate so closely divided right now, you need 60 votes to get anything through the Senate. And they don't. The Democrats don't have it. So then, by default, really, the president rules the day. Hey, by the way, as we sort of get ready to wrap this up, I made it while we're talking. I'm sort of going through notes of other things I meant to, to ask you about. Oh, great! Can I just say this? And I know that this wasn't you, but there was somebody on CNN who said this the other day. It was on CNN television. But just you know, if you Uh-oh. if you happen to encounter somebody who makes this, who uses this phrase, okay, there was somebody on CNN who actually referred to Barack Obama and and John McCain as being, and I'm quoting now, as being quote. Polar opposites. And here's the thing about polar opposites. That is, in fact, a redundancy. Yes. Uh, I think, if anything, what you say is polar twins, because it does mean that you are sort of you are sort of uh, opposites. You are you are the inverse of one another. That's true. That you are on opposite ends of the spectrum. I, I, you're right. The thing that gets me, and I can't believe CNN still does this, but everyone does this. Drives me crazy. Uh, The very latest. The very latest. It's not just the latest. You know, it's, it's, very latest. it's like hearing something referred to as very unique, and know, it just starts to make your true. teeth itch. Yeah, I think most people have been brought up to speed on. I feel, you know, people slip on that sometimes. But well, most people get it, but I think there's no recognition of the polar opposite, very latest well, situation. It's, it's what I do. The next time we talk about, the next time we talk, we'll talk about the AP style book and the repeated admonitions to use the phrase <laughs> "an historic I, event." I have actually read the AP style book twice. Of course, you have. And not that it, it hasn't stuck, though. It has not stuck. All right, we are so unbelievably uh, over time here. So are you on tomorrow? Yes, yes, I'm here. All right, we will talk to you then. Good to speak with you today. All right, enjoy your day, Lisa. Thank you. All right, there, Lisa Desjardins, ladies and gentlemen. Take a breather, dude. I'm finding my center. All right, wait. Wait. Okay, there we go. 
All right. Why, hello. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for coming along today. Still to come, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. It is a pleasure to welcome into the Rick Emerson Studio and onto the Rick Emerson Airwaves, the one and only Chuck Polinick. Hello, sir. How are you? You people need to be quit being such big, whiny, crying babies about how people use their English language, okay? I had to live through <laughs> billions and billions, and I had to live through talk to the hand, and I have lived through worse things than very unique, okay? Very unique, I suppose. I mean, I'll let it slide. It's the anhistoric thing that drives me crazy, and that seems to be a thing that has only come out in the last decade, where we began putting an in front of the word historic, which makes no sense to me. You know, I think the worst scourge is literally Oh, because, well, no, he's literally from another planet. Right, yeah. and it literally killed me how much it cost. <laughs> what, when, people mean, when people mean figuratively, they always go to the word literally, which just, it's like I can feel, it's like Mr. Hand becomes Mr. Fist when I hear that. And they should just say italics here or underline the following, because they're sort of using literally just for emphasis. Let me ask you this, Chuck Polinick, where do you come down on the big question of the serial comma or Oxford comma? Now, what is that? Ah, so here's the thing. It's when you have a list of three items. Right. And the question is, do you put a, a comma immediately preceding and? And I am a graduate of the University of Oregon School of Journalism. And according to the AP Style Guide and my professor's textbook, When Words Collide, uh, by Lauren Kessler, Dr. Lauren Kessler at the University of Oregon, the comma before the conjunction can be omitted. It's not necessary. Is it a question of, now, can be omitted or shall be? Is it a question of clarity, if it's going to add or detract from the clarity of the list, do you suppose? You know, I thought it was left completely ambiguous. It was a personal choice issue. See, it's left completely ambiguous just to vex guys like me. That's really what it is. It's left ambiguous simply so that you know, there's grist for the discussion mill in terms of uh, linguistic purity, my friend. Why are we even bothering? The print word is dead, okay? <laughs> okay. Newspapers, books, spiraling down the toilet. Nobody's even going to know what a comma is in another two years. It is. I, I actually sort of think about some weird sort of alternate universe idiocracy of the future where everything, the sort of texting language and, you know, the way that Prince spells all his song titles and conventional English and, you know, some sort of weird southern dialect from Lickskillet, Kentucky have all merged into some new sort of linguistic stew uh, in which we will all speak. So You know what is going to be the classic Hochdeutsch correct English? And that is going to be Paul Harvey. Paul Harvey speak is the speak of the 20th century. And eventually, you know, that will be our speak. Does that mean I have to end all of my statements with Chuck Polinick? Good day. There you go. It's one of my only real skills is the, to sort of sort of the mannerisms of Paul Harvey. It's one of the only things I can really do. And it's like you, Paul Harvey has. You know what Paul Harvey has? Paul Harvey has that uniquely folksy ability to speak to about 15 skillion people all at once. But you believe that when he talks about the new Bose Wave Radio, which is sound so wonderful, you'll wonder how you lived without it. Edna Schlarp, she loves her Bose Wave Radio. Chuck Polinick, you'll love it too. Macular gener degeneration. It's not the problem you have now, but it will be your problem soon. You are fantastic. And you're wearing a Property of Jesus shirt, which is like the best thing I've seen all week. So I know. I bought this for $5 at Fred Meyer to, go, to paint a house in. And now it's my favorite shirt. It's like a, my, uh, my wife grew up in Provo, and although she did not go to BYU, she went to the, this sort of rival college across town. But I, she brought home a BYU shirt at one point, and I sort of wear it around just... You know, because of the kids, they love the irony and everything. And I wear it around, and it's and it's first I wore it as a joke, but then I decided that I actually, in some perverse way, sort of liked the way it looked on me. <laughs> so now, like you know, like three, four, five times a year, you'll see me walking around in a BYU shirt. So 
So speaking of letters and books and writing and epistolary interludes and whatever, so uh, the new book, Snuff, uh, is out. And I know that writers get tired of being asked this. This is like the, the like question number one of the, so where do you get your ideas, writing guy? And I try never to ask that to people who write, but I think the idea of uh, the bunch of sort of musings of guys who were in line to have sex uh, with a woman who, over the course of which she's having sex with, what, 100 guys, 200 guys? 600, 600, 600 guys. guys. So, I mean, is that a thing where you're just in the shower one day and, you know, somehow, be, you know, somewhere between, like, first rinse and, like, lather and repeat, that you think to yourself, you know, what would be a fantastic book? I mean, you know, actually, a friend of mine, another local writer, Monica Drake, who's got a great book called Clown Girl. Years and years ago, Monica told me about this documentary about the making of the first world record-setting gangbang movie by Annabelle Chong. And so maybe two years after that, I finally saw the documentary about Annabelle Chong's world record. And I really loved how kind of unsexual it was. And Annabelle Chong, in, in hundreds of interviews said that the vast majority of the guys who answered the ad and showed up and stood in line, 66% of them couldn't even get an erection. They were not able to sustain or achieve? Not even achieve. And they really only came there to profess their affection, their love for her. And so she ended up, you know, she's expecting hundreds of guys to come in and, and do their job and help her set this world's record. Right. When, in fact, more than half of these guys come in and they just say, Annabelle, I've always loved you. I will always love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. And she had to kick them out. And so sort of the excuse for people to express this kind of affection, I thought, was really kind of touching. Just like the, the young boy who's waiting in line to meet her in the book with the flowers. Exactly. And they're like slowly wilting as he's sitting there waiting for his time to talk to her. Yeah, exactly. That's what they call a metaphor. No. <laughs> the flowers slowly going limp. And so it's just, I mean, it is one of those, it is one of those things that, that one one has never really thought about being made into a book, but then, of course, as soon as you hear the premise for it, you're like, that's genius! That's... And I think you, I mean, it's really not just be waxing your car in public, but I think that is that is one of the things that really sets you apart in terms of authors. It is the you know, the so-called high concept, you know, the, the, the premise, the hook of the book is just, uh, you really have a way to sort of reach inside people's heads and sort of stir around like in the flotsam and come up with something from which from which a book can spring that you never really think of before. You don't ever really think of something like that working as, as a premise, and it does flawlessly. But in, in our culture, we tend to divide things into either high culture or low culture. And if it affects you sort of viscerally, like horror or like pornography or, or like violence, sports, NASCAR, it's low culture. And if it's just cerebral and it's just emotional, like the English patient, then it's high culture. And so the idea is to try to combine high culture and low culture, to do something that's cerebral and something that's emotional, but to do it through a very, very physical, visceral sort of uh, convention, like violence and fight club or, uh, or stuff with, choke, with sex. We're talking to Chuck Palahniuk, author of uh, Snuff. Do you, find it more, do you find it difficult to, to write in, physically in some of the same places where you have written in the past? Because I know you, it's sort of, uh, there are a lot of sort of locales around town where you've gone to sort of write or brainstorm or, or make notes for books. And as word sort of gets out and as, you, as your profile gets higher and higher and higher in Portland, do you have to kind of change up your personal routine so you don't get guys outside going, Chuck! Chuck, I'm at! Chuck! Hey, can I? I love Fight Club! I mean, is it, do you have to kind of change the way you live your life, you know, every day? Not, not a great deal. You know, because most of the places where I find myself writing are places where everyone is miserable, and that is airports, and that is uh, 
Hospital emergency room waiting areas are fantastic because everybody's in crisis, and so everybody is just this sort of inventory of, of anxiety and gesture. And you can get a lot of writing done because there is nothing else to distract you. Do you ever still write in the mausoleum? You know, the mausoleum was great, but it is so frigging cold there. It, it is icy cold there. Yeah, and I guess now they've finally closed it to where you can't wander around anymore. You have to have a, a guided tour or um, a family member who's actually like deceased there. I've actually I've gone there last in the last few weeks, and I can always find a way in. Oh yeah. You know they've had a and they didn't want this to be public, but but what the heck? Um, it's become a really popular place for goths to have sex, and it's been written up in a couple sort of alternative magazines, and they've had a real problem with people having sex there, and also it's kind of perennially been a place for people to commit suicide, and it's always been very not covered in the media and not really acknowledged that that people go there and they hide out and they wait till it's closed and then they kill themselves in some way and they're not found till morning. So both of those factors are probably, you know, working towards sort of controlling the place a lot more. Wow, that makes me feel a little unnerved because I've actually gone there by myself before just kind of wandering around and that probably wouldn't be a fun thing to stumble across. Oh, right. You come across one of those dark corridors, go around a corner and find some poor person. With the so. ceiling leaking and there are buckets everywhere and like abandoned, um, you know, like the stair the stairways that they use to, you know, and the old furniture. And I love all that. I stuff. love that place so much. So you are, and this is exactly the sort of thing I think that just the, this of the many facets in the Chuck Palahniuk book, there's a lot of sort of hidden history or hidden meanings behind things, things that are in the sort of popular consciousness in terms of urban legend or whatever that you kind of bring out and you show people and you explain them. I think it's in Choke where you're talking about. Uh, in-store announcement codes over the intercom where they'll say, uh, you know, th- 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 you know, we have a, you know, whatever, we have a pet rat loose on aisle five, but that really means that there's been, you know, like a kidnapping or whatever. In Powell's, they say Catcher in the Rye. Do we have a copy of Catcher in Rye in stock? And that means that a child has turned up missing, that someone's child is lost. And when they announce that they need a copy of Catcher in the Rye, that means that all the employees have to go to the external doors and block them. So this child can't wander out of the building until it's found, can't be lost to the street. Um, and there's so many different coded announcements for hospitals and schools and airports. And I just, you know, they're always so banal, but they always cover up something sort of dramatic and upsetting. When you hear stuff like that, does it, do you have either a mental or physical file where there's those sort of, you know, fun facts kind of go uh, because you think I'm going to find a way to use that. I'm going to use that, that fact somewhere. Right, and a lot of times I'll use that fact as a sort of seed in conversation at a party with other people, and I'll throw out that fact, and everyone at the party who's ever worked in a hospital or a school or an airport will say, oh, we used to have those. And by putting out what you need, you sort of allow people to sort of give you multiple versions of the same thing, and you end up gathering better and better representations of that thing. We're talking to uh, Chuck Polinick as we get to sort of uh, ready to, to wrap it up here. How do you how, how do you explain the fact, if you can, that your books seem to resonate so strongly with people who maybe would not traditionally be thought of or think of themselves as big readers, uh, people who maybe don't spend a lot of time reading, or maybe in their past they didn't read a lot, but they run across a Chuck Polinick book and it it seems to there's a receptor in their brain that was just sort of waiting for it. Do you have you ever thought about how it is that your books resonate so strongly with people like that? The, uh, I think the first factor is just the fact that, uh, that things move, that, that, that there are always verbs, verbs sort of pulling the story forward, that people are always in, the characters are always in action in the stories, 
and that the stories take advantage of the, maybe the one strength that, that written books still have, and, and that is to tell very extreme stories that movies and television and any form of sort of broadcast media never could. And so books really have the one, the one real advantage they have is that books have this really private consensual agreement with you that if you keep turning the pages, just you are experiencing that story. And so books can take you and show you things that no other form of media can. And so I take advantage of that by, by telling stories that have very extreme elements in them. You, the Fight Club got such a, a great reception uh, as a film following up the book. That are you? Have you seen much of Choke? Have you seen any of Choke? Is it? Uh, I mean, is it? Were you nervous about that? That it was going to make the uh, make the leap successfully? You know, once I saw them shooting it last summer, and it was so much fun. And it was just this sort of ongoing party for weeks and weeks that I kind of knew it was going to work. And then I saw it at Sundance, and it was received so well, and it won a special jury award, and it just won the top prize at the Maui Film Festival this week, and it comes out in the uh, Los Angeles Film Festival next week. And it's been doing so well in festivals across the country that, uh, that I, you know, I think I, that whole good feeling from the shoot sort of is proving to be true. All right then. Uh, I I think uh, I'm really excited. Yeah, today. it's. I mean, it, it is a pleasure to have you in the studio. It really is. And so, best of continued success, uh, professionally, personally, in all things, my friend. Uh, all right. So uh, the new book is Snuff. Chuck Palahniuk. Thank you for spending some time with us, sir. And it's a very unique book. Thank you. Thank you, Chuck Palahniuk. Back after this, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Stay there. Well, you Hello, it's the Rick Emerson radio program. I don't know where the post is in this song. That was quite a greeting. What? No, I think it was quite a greeting. What was quite a greeting? When you open up the mic, you Hello. The Hello. I'm sorry, I just, uh, yeah, this, it's, it's, it's already feels like it's been about three hours today. We had that whole uh, chaotic opening with the white wheat sourdough English muffin bagel. White wheat sourdough English muffin bagel? That's exactly what I'm saying, Sarah. White wheat sourdough okay, English muffin bagel. Okay, you've got to stop saying it because then I have to say it back. You know, you know, can I tell you, Fat Boy and Big Jim are doing it now, too. Anyway, uh, and then we had the, the big Jim came in. We were going to get to his story, but then Lisa Desjardins came on the phone. It was all very exciting. And then Chuck Palahniuk stood like a foot for me, and we got some badass photos taken with him. I have to say, those photos we took with Chuck Palahniuk just now, uh, I feel bad, Tim. We didn't bring you in for the photo. Well, I never participate in the interviews anyway. Oh, it's, it's I did. up to you guys. Oh, now I feel like a jerk. I forgot to I forgot to get you for the photograph of Chuck Palahniuk. Oh, it doesn't matter. I'll, I'll see him some other time. Oh, I don't deserve to live. No, no, I feel terrible. Well, anyway, in the photograph of Chuck Palahniuk, I look all strangely muscular. It's weird. It's like I think it's some, I think I'm standing closer to the camera than everybody else is, so it's a little bit of forced perspective. And then, plus, he's like zero, zero percent body he's fat a, guy. He's a very beautiful man. Seriously, I think he's more in shape than anybody I've ever seen in my life. And how much like Peter Carlin did he sound like? A lot. It sounds like a happier <laughs> Peter Carlin. Is that what somebody said? Yeah. Yeah. So, in any event, so our thanks to Chuck Palahniuk. 
for coming into the studio, and our thanks to Court and Fatboy from Rock 101 KUFO, who actually set that up for us. They Dreams were, they, can come true. Uh, and if you want to hear more from Chuck Polinick, uh you can hear his interview with Court and Fatboy tonight uh, at, uh, I believe, around 8 o'clock. Uh, you'll be able to hear him on KUFO. So anyway, so thanks to those guys. Thanks to Chuck. This is your personal... It's time for the Rick Emerson Savior. News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. The News Hour brought to you by Leif's Auto Collision Centers and Leif's.com. Call today, find out what Leif's can do for you. The alleged foot licker has his day in court. This is the story of the Portland woman who recently gave birth. She wakes up to find somebody licking her back. So not just feet, he likes backs, too. Uh, the woman who did not want to be identified for many reasons, at first shot, thought the uh, the dog was licking her. Uh. Well, she turned around, wow, that's one big dog. And she also realized, here comes the icky part, her underwear had been cut in two places. The woman said the man grabbed her wrist and told her not to scream and that he was not aggressive. He kept he kept asking her to see uh, parts of her body, but she declined. She declined. Uh, no, thank you. Maybe she, some other time. She has a speech that she gives her suitor when he, uh, he wants more than she's prepared to give, Tim. <laughs> so the man eventually gave up and left, so she called police. A short time later, officers arrested Ismond Hale, who's 20, and apparently he's in a nearby apartment. Now, her brother said he's a very good person. Uh, Hale's girlfriend claims he was at a friend's home, at least that's what uh, she was told. And it's a case of mistaken identity. Mm -hmm. You just know his. You know everybody calls him Izzy too. You just know that's the case. Hale is a devoted father. Uh, say those who know him. Uh huh. The victims say she is sure Hale is the man who was in her room licking her back. She also said uh, he used a patio table and chair to get onto a balcony outside her second floor apartment. I tend to believe her because I would imagine that if you wake up in the middle of the night and there's a guy you don't know and he's putting his tongue in the middle of your back and cutting off your underwear, grabbing your wrist and telling you don't make any noise. That's kind of an image I would say that would be rather indelible inside your brain. That's the uh, that's the sort of thing one tends to remember with some accuracy. So he pled not guilty. Of course he did. Well, doesn't everybody plead not guilty to everything? Yes. I mean, that's didn't that landlord who had the, I mean, the trash can full of skin or whatever? <laughs> didn't he plead not guilty? I don't know. Uh, maybe maybe the pizza guy left it. It's for my pet egg. <laughs> so hey, I got more email about the pet egg. By the way, uh, Joni was like, hey, don't knock the pet egg until you try it. It rules. So that was know. one of the best programs we've had in quite some time. The pet egg discussion. Well, I think Chuck Polinick beat that. We should have asked until that time. We should have asked Chuck Polinick about the pet egg. If he you know, one. It's sort of the confluence, the best of all worlds there. So, all right. So there's something to get you mad. By the way, I just do. Want, I want to say this. I want to thank. Really, is there something else to get me mad? Er. Well, it's to continue the madness from yesterday. Uh, I should. I should also give props to Chuck for ending the interview by he. You know what he did there at the end? He did a callback by saying, "My book is very unique." So there you go. So I'd like to thank Chuck Polinick for doing a linguistically okay. comedic callback. Your, your he's intimidatingly is? smart. Yeah, he is. No, he is. I mean, he's. You know, he's. And he's one of those guys that just is so. Uh, you know, he's, he's very soft-spoken, I think, as I, you know, but but at the same time, you know, he's very, in, I know intense is a word that gets overused, but he's very, you know, you get he's very focused. Well, and he's also, he's also intelligent, but you can also tell he's also very well-researched. Like, he doesn't talk about anything unless he knows everything right. there is to know about it. And right. if you read any of his books, you can tell that, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, uh, that's one of the things that, I mean, you know, it's like he, now we're just sitting talking about Chuck Polinick, but um, the, um, if you watch the DVD for Fight Club, there's actually um, three different commentaries, I think, for Fight Club. There's one by Fincher, who is the director, and I think there's one with Brad Pitt, and I think there's one with the editor, and so maybe there's four, And there's but there's a there's a, a, a commentary track on Fight Club that is Chuck Palahniuk, where he does the commentary, and he talks about the, the you know, the, the origin of the book and sort of the meta... 
Another question I forgot to ask him that I got to ask him next time. Damn it. I'm what sorry. What's it going to be? Um, well, I'll get to it in a second. Let you me just write this down. <laughs> Chuck, hey, it's Rick. I hope you don't mind. I'll be one of those guys that goes and stands out outside the mortuary while he's you know writing. Chuck, hi. Um, but he talks about in Fight Club. There's that whole sequence where um where they're making napalm out of orange juice and styrofoam, which I think you can really do. And uh, the deal is, you know, you take styrofoam and you dissolve it and you mix it with orange juice and you add something or whatever and you get homemade napalm. Aaron knows how to do it. Um, and But when they made it, when they when they turned it into a film, they changed it. The studio was like, we're not going to be giving the recipe for napalm on the screen. And they changed it in the movie. So if you if you follow the directions for making napalm in the Fight Club film, it won't work. And the commentary... He's like he, he's talking about how it, how it, it was. It, 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 he was angry about. It. He's like, because I spent a long time researching how to make napalm. My book will show you how to make napalm. It's accurate. And so he was like all pissed off that in the movie uh, the napalm making recipe is somehow flawed. So yeah, he does research those things. All right, here's Tim Riley. Oh, by the way, if you're heading over to Sandy on Highway 26, it is blocked due to a multi-vehicle crash. So let's continue with yesterday's uh, fiasco, but because it's become a national story. Is this another religious nutcase watch? I suppose it is. Here's your religious nutcase watch for the love of sweet holy God uh, for Thursday on the Rick Emerson radio program. Politicians going to get involved just to make things even worse. Of course. So now they promise to create a law that will force families who practice faith healing, or this hocus-pocus and witchcraft, to get their children medical treatment when they're sick. People practicing faith healing, which is put in quotes, uh, believe in using the power of prayer to uh, heal. Uh, they say it's better than modern medical treatment. Of course, we know that doesn't work. Lawmakers are responding to outrage over two recent deaths in Oregon of children whose parents practice faith healing. Now, under the current law, parents are prohibited from using faith healing on young children. In addition, kids under the age of 14 are supposed to be able to decide for themselves whether or not they want to see a doctor. In the most recent death, which this is all about, it's Neil Beagley. He was 16, lived in Glasgow, which looks to be a trailer park, by the way. Uh, was suffering from an ailment that doctors said could have easily been cured by treatment, but he died Tuesday night of heart failure caused by urinary tract blockage. Uh, due to the way the current law is written, authorities say it was unlikely that Neil's parents would face any criminal charges. Instead, Beagley's urinary tract became infected and closed up. He was unable to urinate, which made his bladder and kidneys stop functioning, according to the autopsy. Doesn't seem like a particularly pleasant way to die. Mm-mm. So the whole family belongs to the Oregon City Followers of Christ Church. The church is a uh, fundamentalist uh, Christian whack group. And recently made headlines after two members were arrested and accused of using prayer instead of medical care to try to cure their deadly old daughter. In that case, Neil's, yes, Neil, this is the same family, his 50-month-old cousin Ava, died at home from pneumonia and a blood infection. Her parents, Carl and Raylene Worthington, also failed to contact a doctor and are awaiting trial. Because... <laughs> Apparently, a uh, 15-month-old uh, decisions can be made by the parents. So I, so what I heard this morning was that because he was 16, 16. that they couldn't be held for murder, but that they could be held for manslaughter. 
They're looking into that. Because it was sort of negligent homicide right. or whatever the, you know, whatever the, the actual criminal thing is. Have they given the parents names yet? Did, you, did I miss that somehow? No, no names of parents. Okay, seriously, I demand that someone, that someone find out the name of the parents. I mean, really. I mean, I think there's a good old-fashioned, I mean, a public uh, shaming and scorning. Yeah, and, how come they get know, to be respected? Like, they, they deserve no respect. I mean, you know, I mean, one can make the case that the 16-year-old should have been, I, you know, and you know, and I kind of feel bad for what I said yesterday too, actually, uh, because yesterday we were saying that, well, if you're 16 years old and you decide that, you decide that the great pumpkin's going to appear in your room and cure your bladder, that uh, you know, maybe you get what's coming to you. But you know what? I mean, who's to say? I mean, if you're raised by these nutcase parents and then you're brainwashed. Uh, you know, I guess I guess what was his option? I mean, I be, and I and don't we only have the parents' word at this point that it was his decision not to go to the hospital? Uh-huh. I mean, now that I think about it, I think I did sort of speak too rationally yesterday because what, when we were talking about the kid yesterday deciding that he wanted to let Jesus appear in his room and, and cure his bladder, we have only the parents' word that the kid didn't want to go to the hospital. For all we know. The kid wanted to go to the hospital, demanded to go to the hospital, asked repeatedly to be taken to the hospital, and his nutcase parents might have just opted not to. I'm not saying that's the case, but I'm saying I don't think we have any evidence one way or the other. I do believe that we have only the word of the people who are in this other delusional whack job religion uh, claiming that the kid didn't want medical treatment. So is this an isolated community? I don't mean socially, but I mean geographically. Twelve hundred people belong to this church. So I wonder how far the I wonder how far the trailer park or wherever it is they live. I wonder how far it is from sort of civilization, from a, from, you know, from a hospital, from town. But it, it's Gladstone, wasn't it? Um, I so. But I mean, is it? But is it in it, Gladstone? Okay, so I mean, it's close. It, it's a car dealer alley down there, isn't it? Wait, what is the actual? Does it have the actual address? No. Because I'm wondering. You know, at some point, was it was the kid even able to? Could he even have left under his own power to go to the hospital if he wanted to? Or is this the sort of thing? And I'm imagining it is where I mean, I would imagine once your bladder and your bowels and your you know whatever your kidney stuff working, you're not really going to be up and at him and ready to walk 15 miles to a hospital or something. So it it, it does seem like at this juncture there really is no way to tell whether the kid actually declined medical treatment or not, unless they can somehow conjure up a doctor who says that he was there and offered to treat the kid and the kid said no, but that seems equally unlikely because uh, the parents are clearly in this, uh, in this bad, do they believe in doctors for anything? No. Of course not, because why would you? What's the point of that? What's, what's the fun of that? Then you, uh, you know, if you believe in doctors, then it takes away all the uh, roulette wheel excitement of which of your children will die. Jesus. All right. Is there any more to the story? Uh, let's see here. Uh, Gladstone uh, police spokeswoman said the church leader called the Clackamas County Medical Examiner's Office at 5.30 p.m. Tuesday and reported that Neil Beagley had died about an hour before that. So uh, they detained church and family members for interviews, and that lasted until about midnight. So the church people did call like that. They didn't, they could have well, of course. Well, they called after the kid was dead, though, right? right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... All right. Well, apparently they believe in medical examination, but only uh, after you've the, already died. I do died. have parents' names here. Oh, okay. Jeffrey Hold Dean Beagley. Hold on. Let me get the book, Tim. They're going to go right... Let's see. They're, I'm opening the book. Because yesterday we just... What did I put yesterday? I put Oregon faith-killing parents, followers of Christ Church, and then I had put an asterisk next to it. Uh, it sort of... Uh, all right. There we go. So what are their names? Jeffrey Dean Beagley. Jeffrey Dean... You know, I don't trust anybody... Who has a two-syllable first name and then a uh, one-syllable second name? Jeffrey Dean and Marcy Ray Beagley. Marcy Ray, Jeffrey Dean and Marcy Ray. Oh, that's great. 
Marcy Ray Beagley. Is that the like a beagle but L E Y? Yes. All right. Marcy Ray Beagley. All right, fantastic. All right. Jeffrey Dean Beagley and Marcy Ray Beagley, you're in the book, and someday things are going to sort themselves out, <laughs> and you will be uh, dealt with at the appropriate time. How many people do we have in the book now? Well, How's let's, let's find out, Sarah, shall we? This is a book, by the way, of people who at some point will be dealt with the way that they need to be dealt with, and I think we all know what we're saying. Uh, let's see. He was homeschooled and had little contract outside of his family and church. He was homeschooled, the kid? Mm-hmm. All right, we have, uh, let's see, uh, we have Laura Malloy, who tried to ban Harry Potter. I think the bar was pretty low when we started this. We had Roy L. Pearson Jr., uh, Washington, D.C. I think he was the one that somehow equated, he was he was one of the judges that had the whole pants around your, uh, you know, the sagging pants rule. Oh, yeah. But then I think it's some, but then he started mouthing about how it was the work of Satan and homosexuals. Uh, we have, um, let's see. Cardinal Roger Mahoney, Los Angeles, uh, who assists child buggerers in being relocated and evading detection by the law. Oh, yeah. Let's see. Um, we have uh, Michael Vick. Enough said. Uh, let's see. We had Jessica Botsko in Toledo, Ohio, who kept her son in a dog cage. Let's see. We have, I made a note here, all Tennessee homophobes and Fred Phelps. Let's see. Um, we have Philip Merriam and Lisa Michelle Mathers. Um they stole a backpack full of something that belonged to a girl with cancer. We have Natasha Hardin. Um, she was the one who uh, dropped off the animals in front of the Humane Society. Oh, yeah, I remember her. Right next to a road with no way to make sure they weren't killed. We have Mike Norman. Uh, he was the guy. I believe he's, he's the guy that was selling the Barack Obama Curious George T-shirt. Yeah. yeah, he's in the book. And now Jeffrey Dean and Marcy Ray Beagley. Uh, who allowed their child to be, uh, you know, to be? Do we, we have the MySpace parents in there too, right? Oh, you know, I don't think I actually do because I don't think I knew their names at the time. All right, let's find it. All right, well, we'll put them in the book here in a second. Here's uh, is that the story for now, or do we have more horrifying details? No, that's super now. All right, there's your religious nutcase watch. You know, like for at twelve twenty-five anyway on Thursday. <laughs> I mean, God forbid Salmonella or something just sweeps through that whole nutcase community. And this guy has a good question. He says, Rick, I have a question about those faith-healing wackos. If one of these people is injured by a stabbing or, say, a gunshot wound, which is not, like, out of the question if you're in Oregon City, um, do they just lay down and bleed to death, or do they look for ambulatory help? Joel, I don't really know the answer to that. I mean, is it... And, this, and I really don't know the answer to this. So if you are a member of this church, is it that you just don't... I mean, I know this sounds like a daft question, but does that mean, do they not believe in bandages? Do they not believe in, I, I mean, if you get, you know, if you're uh, if you're bleeding in some way, do they not believe in stop? Do they not believe in tourniquets because that is medical care? They, this now, The more I talk about it, the more I find it actually kind of interesting. I wonder exactly what, the, I wonder what constitutes medical care uh, if you belong to this religion. I mean, if you, I mean, if you go out, I mean, if you stab your hand on a rusty nail, do they not think you should clean it out? Do they believe that Jesus is going to prevent you, you pray, from getting? You pray for it. Yeah, you pray, and Jesus will keep you from getting lockjaw. I mean, possible. I, I think you know, I, I think that actually deserves some some further explication. All right, did you get the name of the uh, MySpace parents? Uh, let's see, I'm looking up. I the girl's name was Michael uh, Megan. Mich Meyer. Megan, yeah, she was the girl that hung herself in the in the closet. 
Okay, I'm trying to find it. Right. It'll well, be just we'll, a second. We'll find it. Well, let's. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hello, Rick. How are you doing? What's up? Okay. Um, I used to live next door to some religious nutcase types, not as extreme as uh, these families. Yeah. And they would always try to tell me about their religion. One of the things they said was one of the signs of the end was that the uh, political organizations would try and put an end to religion. And if crap like this keeps happening, and I can understand why. I mean, well, I mean it. It really is amazing that after that, the 14-year-old infant or whatever died, and that yeah. was just recently, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, that somebody at that point didn't step in and go like, hey, now. So, all right. Thank you, my friend. There's all right, so guy. I have their names. All right. Oh, these are the MySpace. Hold on. These are the MySpace killing parents. Let's see. MySpace. I'll just put MySpace parents. All right. Okay. Um, where do they live? Um... To say the name of the, we always try to put the uh, the town and the uh, the state because that'll come in handy later. Uh, let's see, it has they have a picture of their house. Let me find that. But their names are Kurt and Lori Drew. Kurt with a C, K. No, with a C. C U R T and Lori L O R I. Drew. Drew D R E W. Kurt and Lori Drew. All right. From uh, MySpace. St. Charles, Missouri. St. Charles, Mo. All right, excellent. That's right, a full page. All right, oh, now we're this on. woman looks like she needs a punch in the face. Look at her. <laughs> Doesn't she? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Oh yeah. She seems soulless. She's. she's well, she is soulless. Oh, obviously. she'll she'll get hers. All right. Well, as Chuck Palahniuk would say, uh, imitating Paul Harvey. <laughs> no, page two. There you go. All right. Some more people in the book. They'll be dealt with appropriately at the appropriate time, and they will get uh, they will get theirs. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hey. Uh, this is Frank from Arizona. How you doing? Hi. Turn up your radio, please. Oh, I just turned it down. Got me a little slack. Mr. Hey, uh, on your book here, I yeah. was uh, just curious. It seems like there are uh, some details missing as you enter the names. Is, do you have, in the way you've got that set up, is there a way so that those of us that, you know, will be listening 50 years from now can reference back and actually remember all of these? I'm not sure what you're asking me, sir. I'm sorry. What was that? I, I'm, I'm not sure what you're asking me, sir. What is, can you can you well, restate it, it, the question? It sounded it sounded like you were trying to remember why some of the names were were on the book. Uh, and, yeah, there, yeah, there was no, there was a the only one that I couldn't really remember. There was that I had pants judge, and I think uh, I don't know. I must have been rushed or something that day. We didn't put the proper details in, but I do believe he was had he had some correlation in his head between sagging pants and Satan and gays. So I do uh, believe that was the thing. The rest of them are all details. I mean, like you know, there are the appropriate uh, towns and cities and notations as to uh, why they're in the book. Those are all there. Excellent. Well, I just wanted to make sure because these. No, I mean, should I should I pass away or should I be hit by a bus tomorrow? You know, the book should fall into the right hands. You know, I want to make sure that people know exactly how to uh, how to proceed. Amen to that, brother. Thank, Thank you. you for all the work you guys do. Thanks. Thank you, my friend. All right, there you go. There's uh, Frank in Arizona. Here's Tim Riley. Well, two of the teenagers arrested in last week's attack on a woman riding the max will be tried as adults. Tiana Clay and Angelica Dow, both 15, face seven criminal charges, including robbery, assault, intimidation. Their bail is $270,000. A 28-year-old woman was at the Prescott Street stop Monday night when she saw a group of teens harassing an older woman. When she stopped to confront them, the suspects uh, called the woman who was white, a racially derogatory term for white people. Then they beat the 28-year-old woman and stole her purse. Three 15-year-olds and a 14-year-old have been arrested for assault and robbery. Uh, by today, charges have been dropped against one of the suspects who made a plea deal. The 15-year-old suspects will be charged as adults under Measure 11 guidelines. 
Officers arrested a fit person, a 14-year-old boy, after a woman said her son was robbed at a bus stop at gunpoint after the Max attack. So this all happened like in one night Jesus. on the Max. So. You know, I mean, humanity just needs one good flushing. Uh, I mean, <laughs> just somebody needs to reach for the chain and just give it a good pull. Posses. Uh, let's see. We have, uh, oh, by the way, it should be noted that according to this emailer, uh, Mark, he says the family lived one exit from the Oregon City Hospital. So there you go. Yeah. All right. Here's Tim Riley. Well, the first piece of Portland's new growing mass transit system rolled into town today. Cars for the new West Side Express commuter railway arrived in Wilsonville. It has a new diesel engine. So who knows how much this is going to cost around with diesel fuel being what it is. It has a diesel engine. It's expected to arrive later in the day. The new rail line has been in the planning stages for years. It's uh, going to begin shuttling passengers from Wilsonville to Tiger, Tualatin, and Beaverton this fall, if everything goes as planned. There'll be five stations along the 15-mile route. So uh, well, that'll be good for people who, from the suburbs who are getting gouged on gas trying to get back and forth to work. But you say it runs on diesel? Yeah, it runs uh, on diesel, uh, which is a bad move. I, I think this isn't diesel like $70 a gallon. Yeah. It's just like some unbelievable... Uh-huh. Yeah, all right. Maybe it's a special train diesel. Yeah, whatever. The mother of a teenage boy who died when his bicycle struck the side of a TriMet bus is filing a $2 million lawsuit against TriMet. Austin Miller of Beaverton died February 11th on his way to school. Police said the boy, who was wearing an iPod portable music player, read a traffic light, and they said it was his fault. Uh, what, is she suing because TriMet didn't make the bus out of spongy rubber material? So that's what it is, yeah. Maybe the bus should just be made out of marshmallows, so when your kid uh, blows through a traffic light, you know, he just bounces off of it. Has anybody ever used the uh, the free Wi-Fi that's available in certain sections? No, I tried. It was it was totally crappy. I'm supposed to have it. Wait, where? In your building or where? No, it's citywide. It's like citywide. Well, well, it's supposed to be city. It never was. With no buyers in sight, this is MetroPies, free wireless. They're going to unplug it. Uh, they plan to blanket the city with a network of free wireless internet. Let me understand this. So they're going to turn off bad Wi-Fi that no one uses. Yes. Okay. It's been played by spotty <laughs> service, and according to some, a weak business model. Uh, they wanted to expand, but it's not going to happen. They're going to shut down the networks by June 20th. Now, Earthlink abandoned a $17 million Wi-Fi project in Philadelphia because they couldn't get enough customers. So it doesn't work. you got to pay for this stuff. Well, I don't understand. So if it's free Wi-Fi, how are they going to make money? I, apparently, they're going to charge people to upgrade the service. Oh, so it was going to be uh, like... Like different tiers. Like the free Wi-Fi was... Well, if, but like that spotty Wi-Fi was free. <laughs> and who wouldn't want spotty Wi-Fi? That's like having spotty potatoes that yeah. are free. What's this? Well, it's some fish that's been left in the sun. It's free, though. Yeah. So let me understand it, this. It, so this was their brilliant idea. Well, it, it has it has been determined it is a poor business model. <laughs> Do you think? Yeah. <laughs> and, and it took them this long to figure it out. Oh, God. You think that, I mean, Jesus, it's like being back in the year 2000. You would think that at this point... Uh, you would think at this point they would have figured out in, 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 in certain things in terms of Internet businesses just aren't going to work. Uh, so the idea of giving away something that's this and the idea that it's that's free, kind of good. The idea that it's free and terrible, too. This food is awful in such small portions. Um, so here's what doesn't make sense about this. I mean, apart from everything, is that the idea that they were going to give you the free Wi-Fi and then get you to, like, eventually pony up the money to pay for it. And yet the sample they were giving you was crap. Well, of course nobody's going to pay for that. If your first experience with the city's free Wi-Fi is that it sucks, mm-hmm. it doesn't really seem like you're going to be then receptive to a lot of pictures about, and for $29 a month, you can get lots of this. So what they really here's what they should have done, uh, I say, uh, quarterbacking from my chair. What they should have done is they should have just rolled out 
really high-quality, lightning-fast free Wi-Fi for the city for, like, one year and then just turned it off. Then you, you know what it means? Who's going to get hooked on something that blows? Uh, you just give the city great Wi-Fi for a year and then go, that's a great high-speed Wi-Fi you got here in Portland. Shame if something would have happened to it. And then people have to start paying. Yes. I mean, that's what software manufacturers do. Software manufacturers give you uh, a great piece of software, and it's a free, it's a trial period. And at the end of 30 days, you got to fork up your credit card. So, well, all right. It won't be missed. I never used it. So, is that the, the Wi-Fi they have at Starbucks? No, no, that's different. Is that a different kind of a thing? Is that, that, that like T-Mobile? Yeah, something like I that. See. And if you don't have it, you can't use it. All right. Here's Tim Riley. So, uh... Should we talk about these pregnant girls who saved the story for us? Oh, yeah. No, this is a great story. I was telling Sarah. I just gave Sarah the you highlights me, like, of it this morning. You told sentence from it, and it sounded so wrong. Yeah. There's a stunning twist to the sudden rise of teenage pregnancies at Gloucester High School. This is in Massachusetts, where the fish sticks come from. Seventeen students there are expected and, uh, oh, are expecting, I'm sorry. And many of them became that way on purpose. Time Magazine first reported that nearly half the girls confessed to making a pact to get pregnant, and to raise their babies together. <laughs> None of them is older than 16. Excellent. Fantastic. School superintendent Christopher Farmer said the girls had an agreement to get pregnant. Farmer says these are uh, generally girls who lack self-esteem. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and you know what will cure that? And have a, a squalling baby in a stunted social <laughs> and life. And have a lack of love in their life. Uh, apparently, uh, this isn't the only shocking incident. They found out that one of the fathers is a 24-year-old homeless man. <laughs> well, they are the most fertile. So last month... I long for homeless seed. I'm looking for love behind the dumpster. <laughs> last month, two top officials at the high school health center resigned in a fight over contraceptive distribution. Medical director Dr. Brian Orr and chief nursing practitioner Tim Daly support confidentiality into uh, giving contraceptives to the kids. They were outraged about their resistance from Addison uh, Hospital, which administrators, uh, uh, the administrators want run the uh, health grant that funds the school. Now, have they asked these girls why they all made a pact to get pregnant? Like, has anybody sort of tried to figure out the motivation behind this? Um, let me look here. Some of the girls seem more upset uh, when they weren't pregnant than those who were. The pregnant girls and their parents uh, turned down requests to be interviewed. A recent graduate who had a baby during her freshman year Jesus. tells Time Magazine she knows why the girls wanted to get pregnant. They're so excited to finally have someone love them unconditionally, <laughs> like, like, a, like a homeless man. <laughs> I'll love you unconditionally for two or three minutes. I try to explain it's hard to feel loved when an infant is screaming at the top of his lungs at 3 a.m. Sure, you know that there's a whole lot of smotherings in the future, too. You just know it. Donnie, <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> it's quite unusual, isn't it? I'm just, I mean, really, does this sound like these babies are being born into households that are going to be stable and nurturing? Mm -hmm. I, think, I think I speak for everyone when I say no. So, I mean... Whatever. Uh, this, journalistically, these will be the gifts that keep on giving, though. So I see many arrests and incarcerations over the next 18 years. So continued employment for all of us. For the love of God Almighty. We just live in a zoo. We live yes. in a freaking zoo. Yes. I'm going to go have sex with a homeless guy, and I'm going to do it as often as I can until I'm pregnant. Hey, but you're only a freshman in high school. I know. Isn't that a fantastic idea? <sighs> okay. A judge's talk. I mean, really, have you, I'm sorry, have you ever even heard of anything like that before? No. No. How many people, let me ask you this. Well, this life in these United States. This, 
quits. Are you sure it's not campus comedy, Tim? Humor and uniform. <laughs> uh, when you went now, uh, I've asked you this before. I always forget. It, you went to was it a boys' school or was it co-ed? Nothing was co-ed back then. It is now though. All right. So you didn't go to school with with uh, like girls. You had no teen pregnancy at your school. No, we we went to mixers with the girls from the other school who were also Catholic. <laughs> And but there was no um, to the best of your knowledge, the girls at Saint Ignatius or whatever never found themselves like uh, Mount Saint Mary's. What? It was called Mount Saint Mary's oh. Seminary. Everything just sounds sexual. Mount Saint Mary Seminary. Oh God! I'm just what I thought. I said, what school? Mount Saint Mary. Okay. Well, that's a girls' school. Uh huh. So, Sarah, teen pregnancies at your school, many or few? A few. Well, they all ended up going to Running Start. <laughs> Which was the name of the of the like the bad girl high school? What is running start? Was that where you if you were is that just for pregnant girls or go and get their GED programs? Well, I think like like troublemakers like and an al- and all the like an alternative stuff. place. Yeah. So there was I like I did have one friend named Christy when I was a, a junior who at the end of her junior year got knocked up and she was like a really like good athlete and she had a scholarship to college. Now she still lives in Bremerton and has three children. Of course, no, Christy. No, it's get Christy love. <laughs> no, it's like future be gone. I mean, that's what babies are. I mean, it's just you know, sort of you know. I'd like to live here forever. Just add baby, uh, and the, you know the weird thing about it is, you know, Likas, uh, you know, whatever one thinks of uh, of the method by which Tom Likas explains some of his opinions, he can be rather blunt about things. Mm-hmm. You know, he is so dead on about some stuff. And he was actually talking about I think teen mothers the other day, and he was talking about you know we need to bring back good old fashioned public shaming. Because I don't know how it was for girls at your high school, but the couple of girls I knew in my class that got pregnant, I mean, without exception, it's like, it was just treated like it was the best thing on earth. I mean, their friends hey were there. that. I'm Cindy. What? People keep stopping by saying hey there and hello. Is there like one specific website that the no. people always are like, it's hi, live. Dot com. You can. No. No, it wouldn't be that fast. <laughs> it wouldn't be hello. <laughs> it would be buffering. Oh, oh. <laughs> you. I mean, I'm sure their parents weren't happy about it, but when I was in high school, the girls who would get pregnant, all of their friends, all of the teachers, the guidance counselor, everybody, and they would, and I swear to Christ, I would hear them referring to it with things like the blessed event. What do you mean? What blessed event is that? You mean like the blessed event when she ends up checking at a thrift way for the rest of her life and just going home and drinking herself blind on a quart of gin? That blessed event? Or maybe the blessed event where, like, the boyfriend skips town in the middle of the night because he realizes he has ruined not one but three lives simultaneously. So, but they and they would always be treated like it was just the best, sweetest, greatest thing on earth. And they would plan baby showers and they would buy. All right. Well, it is a gift from the Lord. You know, you know what a blessing. Here's a blessing. You know what a blessing is. Latex is a blessing. It really is because there is no. I mean, especially now. Now more than ever in 2008, there is there is no reason. For you to get pregnant. There just isn't. There is no... I mean, can't you just go... I mean, I'm not a teenage girl, well, as you might have noticed. You through it, can't you, if admit, you have faith. But it, just let, let me just pray for a miscarriage. Wait, no, it's not happening. Um, can't you just go into a Planned Parenthood, just, and they'll just give you like a fistful of condoms that imagine. make your boyfriend's junk taste like pie? Yeah. <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> I mean, you don't, you don't have to like give your name. I mean, if you're going to get on birth control, I think you have to give your name, and they sign you up. And they you give to... you a goodie bag when you leave. Do they, Sarah? I, no, totally. I remember um, when I didn't have insurance, I went there for my yearly exam, and um, 
And yeah, and by when you leave, they give you an, a huge have some rubbers paper bag, like literally like a paper grocery bag, like sunglasses and flip flops. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> sunglasses, flip flops, condoms. Have fun. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, I, and I think you can. I mean, I knew a girl one time. Of them. I'm like, do I look that slutty? Oh no, that's 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 the thing. I knew a girl one time who went into I don't know if it was like the clinic or the whatever the, the local place where they give you rubbers, uh, and she went and I think the woman asked her some question like, and um, okay, and uh, you know of course uh, condoms and whatever else you you know might need, and and she's like condoms, okay, well okay, how how many do you need? And because they weren't in a bowl, like they weren't in the fish bowl, uh, you know, or whatever. They were like, they were, I guess they were behind the counter or something like in a pharmacy. And so I think the woman was like, so how many condoms will you need? And she was just all, um, I don't know. And I guess it's like, you don't want to ask for like two because then you just look like no one ever finds you attractive. But you don't want to ask for a thousand because then you look like the town pump. So I, so I think she tried to split the difference. I'm like, oh, I don't know, maybe... Fifty, you know, and I mean, but then when you say fifty, which I guess theoretically isn't that many. I mean, if one is a sexually active uh, adult, I guess fifty condoms, and it, you know, and if, if you're going to be practicing safe sex constantly, that's not that many. But it, I think it would just sound like a lot if you were a girl, you know, at the point. Yeah, I'd like fifty condoms, please, because no matter how you say it. And maybe you can tell me this, Sarah. No matter how that phrase comes out of your mouth. You always sound like a slut. And it always sounds like you're planning to use them all right away. Yeah. I need 50 condoms. Stat. I mean, it always sounds like you're getting ready to Annabelle Chong it, right? Like you're just going to be sitting there in a line uh, with a whole row of guys back to the door just taking their turns. So in any event, the point is there's no reason to become pregnant. Go to Planned Parenthood. Get a rubber for the love of holy God. No, no, it's joyous. People love you. It helps you pass through the veil into the uh, celestial kingdom, Tim. Makes you more of an adult. I suppose. Makes you look grown up, just like smoking. Uh, let's take a break here. We'll come back. If you're on hold, hang tight. Your call's around the corner. Uh, later on, seeing a radio correspondent, Rachel McGrath, about the blessed event at the Spears household. Uh, we'll talk to Big Jim from Rock 101 KUFO. We'll do the top five with Chris Paddock and the 14 songs you should never again play in a barroom jukebox. Stay there. Tim Riley returns. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Thank you for coming by. Coming up later on, CNN Radio correspondent Rachel McGrath. About the latest squealing mouth to emerge into the Spears family. Uh, let's see. Uh, well, I'll start to uh, Rock 101 KUFO's Big Jim, who has apparently some horrifying tale about a piece of steak in a strip club. I don't know what it's about. I think Richie knows, and I think Court knows, and they told me it's great, but I don't really know the... Uh... And we still don't know whether or not Jim and Richie were at the strip club together, right? I don't know the answer to that, no. Oh, we do know that the Strawberry Fluff is fat boys, perhaps unsurprisingly. Uh, so the Strawberry Fluff uh, was something he brought to work, but then has never opened. Uh, it's just sat there, low these many weeks in the cupboard, completely sealed. For I don't think it's been, it's been months. I, yeah, I mean, it's, I've, I've been seeing that since we moved to this building. Wait, is it here? Do we have the strawberry? Yeah. It's right here. So is this an East Coast thing? Yeah. That's what he said. But it, it originated on the East Coast. I think that's made in Lou, Massachusetts. Because Jim is from Pennsylvania, I believe. Uh, did I tell you this? Here's a weird thing. You know, Joni DeRoshi, she has a photograph. Uh-huh. Of Big Jim taken like I don't know 15 years ago because they some they knew each other they had a common friend like in Pennsylvania or wherever but didn't she didn't really realize it until she was like looking through some old photographs and she's like 
wait a minute, who's this weird guy with, like, a jester hat on? Uh, and it was Big Jim, and he was giving some other guy a pony ride. Wow. <laughs> it's like the weirdest thing. She, that is wrong. She totally she knew him, and they had a friend in common, like, back in the day, but didn't know I it. I wonder where in Pennsylvania. My dad owned a B&B there. Uh, I think it is. I think it was Pennsylvania. I think it's where they're from. Um, marshmallow fluff treats. Strawberry marshmallow fluff can be used to make... Uh, three, this, okay, so these are like Rice Krispie treats, but oh, with yeah, strawberry fluff. Really? Yeah. All right, let's see. Spread strawberry fluff directly on toast, bagels, English muffins. English muffins? English muffins, bagels. As part of a delicious-tasting, low-fat low fat breakfast. Really? Uh-huh. For a great ice cream topping, blah, 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 blah. Let's see here. How many, um, let's... How many cal- sixty cal- so it's seven hundred and it's like yeah it's seven hundred uh, calories. calories. The thing about this strawberry fluff is maybe this shouldn't surprise me for something called fluff, but even though it's a glass jar, this weighs almost nothing. Man, if that breaks, it makes a terrible mess. It takes days to clean that up. Really? Yeah, it sticks to everything. I mean, you have to scrape that off. All right. So yeah. this, what is a fluffer nutter, Tim? It, it is a peanut butter and fluffer nutter sandwich. And so, do you typically use just regular marshmallow fluff for that? Typically, yes, but I mean. That, I guess that's the kind of sores version of the strawberry. That's <laughs> if you want to get really fancy. And it's the uh, out-of-town guests are coming in. It's the Dijon of uh, of marshmallow fluff. And does that go on typically white bread, I would imagine? Yes. The whitest of bread. The white, wonder bread. <laughs> wonder bread. Uh, all right. You know, that's what we lack here uh, in Oregon. We have no regional foods. Yeah, I don't there's th- uh, Franz bread, isn't there? Well, that's, I mean, that's a brand of bread, but I don't really know that it's a snack. In other words, the East Coast, you all have the fluffernutter. What is another, what's a region, what's another snack or something that you guys would have on the East Coast that, you, that they don't serve here? That they don't serve here. Because, like, if you ask somebody here about a fluffernutter, they just know what, I, I think the only reason I know about it is because they talk about it on, like, the Sopranos. Eight beans and hot dogs? Yeah, maybe it's just a fluffernutter. Maybe that's the only thing. I was just lamenting the fact that we don't seem to have a lot of those regional sort of... Uh, we don't have a lot of regional culinary treats here in the Northwest, Tim. Well, I, I hear all these fancy restaurants are opening up at the Pearl District. I ate at one one night. It took four hours to, to get my meal. <laughs> they went out and, and picked one ingredient at a time <laughs> in area farms. <laughs> and, then they, and then they just warmed the ingredients by walking over to them occasionally and going... <gasps> and that was it. All right, here's Tim Riley. Okay, so we'll uh, we'll save this little story about uh, a blessed event to one of the members of the Spears family for later. Is that what you're telling me? Uh, well, Rachel McGrath is going to talk about Jamie Lynn. So, well, it all has to do with those Gloucester girls and Juno and Bill Clinton, of course. You know. well, let's talk about uh, Barack Obama, who is refusing public funding for the election. Oh, is my pot up? I have an important announcement, and I wanted all of you, the people who built this movement Everybody from the bottom up, to hear it first. We've made the decision not to participate in the public financing system for the general election. This means we'll be foregoing more than $80 million in public funds during the final months of this election. It's not an easy decision, especially because I support a robust system of public financing. He's just showing off now. But the public financing of presidential elections, as it exists today, is broken. And we face opponents who become masters at gaming this broken system. John McCain's campaign and the Republican National Committee are fueled by contributions from Washington lobbyists and special interest PACs. And we've already seen that he's not going to stop the smears and attacks from his allies running so-called 527 groups. Okay. So that's that. And his wife was on The View yesterday, which I can't find the sound bites from for some reason. And also, uh, let's see, Condoleezza Rice. Why can't she be somebody's running mate? 
Uh, she tells Fox News she has other plans in her future, so please don't ask her. Obviously, it's, a, it's dearly flattering to have people think that way, but no, it's time for me to go back to Stanford. Oh, yes. um, eight years is a go. long time, particularly in the circumstances that we've gone through. Where what, has she been going? In the I was just going to say, what is the last thing she was in the news for doing? I mean, other than I saying... I an article about her playing the piano at the White House about two years ago. <laughs> I mean, singing old show tunes. <laughs> I mean, other than that, it's just sort of striding around, uh, you know, looking all like vaguely dominatrix-like. Mm -hmm. I don't really remember the last accomplishment. Really, the, the all she's in the news for now is talking about things she's not going to do. She's not going to resign. She's not going to run for president. She's, uh, you know, not going to stick around and be the VP. So I don't really know what it is she is going to do. Well, her job has been to fly around the world and tell people we're not as bad as they think we are. Yes, yeah. And has been, I guess, got the mixed reaction. Middling, middling response to that, I would, I would say. So, right. so the big deal now, how to cure this energy crisis, is to let the oil companies drill out the California coast. Not that it's going to make anything cheaper. Even if they found tons of oil, it doesn't mean the price is going to go down. And Governor Schwarzenegger has put his foot down about that. He says no new oil drilling off California's coast. This is going in opposition to the president and uh, all the Republicans. And John McCain says he supports the idea, too, but not Schwarzenegger's idea, of course. So uh, if he has his way, well, the oil companies are going to be drilling there. I myself want to do everything that I can to make sure that California is protected. We made a decision a while back to say no drilling of our shores in California. Here's a dumb question. Who cares? I mean, what is? why would... The, what is wrong with drilling? I mean, it's not like you're drilling in the middle of a forest where you got to, like, exterminate a whole group of animals or something, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just in the middle of the ocean. What's happening there now? Why can't they drill there? Well, they already have things out there already, and they're not finding anything, so they don't want to drill any more holes in the ocean. Is it just that they, they don't... don't is it the cost? Is it they don't want to spend the cost to look for oil if they might not find it? That could be part of it, yeah. Because, I mean, they sort of... I mean, I mean they have tons of these oil rigs up and down the California coast. And these guys stay out there for like a week at a time. Just looking for something that they'll never because find. Because they used to call them requests when I used to work the night show. <laughs> really? And these oil hey, can we play Wichita linemen? Exactly. <laughs> and, and, you know, the, these oil drilling platforms would be called like the Clarice. Hello, I'm calling from the Clarice. Would you play Wichita linemen? <laughs> hey, can you play anything about Bobby Bear? I'd certainly appreciate it. Me and, all the, uh, me and all the other guys out of the Clarice would certainly love to hear that right now. Thank you very much kindly. Um, so the governor said the nation should be focusing on alternative fuels. Well, that's true. New fuel that we can use. What is the new way of powering our engines in the cars? It's not the big car. It's not the big truck. It is the technology inside those trucks and those cars. You know, his statements don't mean anything. Just, they don't really make any sense. What does that mean? It's not about cars. It's about the technology in the car. I don't even know what that means. That's I guess Arnold Schwarzenegger. It, it sounds pleasant enough. Yeah. What I mean, is, people are going to listen to him more than, say, the governor of Nebraska. What is your read on how people in California feel about uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and the job he's doing? At first it was mixed. Now they like him. Really? Yeah. He does seem to sort of, you know, I will say this. One could either view him as just being, I, I don't know, sort of only vaguely principled, or you could say that he responds to the will of the people because he does sort of seem to go with whatever the prevailing public sentiment is. Uh -huh. You know, and he doesn't, to his credit, he doesn't dig in his heels and stuff that he's not a fan of because I know that he was not for gay marriage, but, you know, the, the, the court said to do it, and he's like, all right, I will go with the court. So he doesn't, I mean, he doesn't seem to, he doesn't. Uh, Which pissed off all the Republican money in Orange County. Yeah. Where all the, their parties 
I mean, big money comes from. Right. So it's, I mean, so you do have to, you know, given that, he does seem to go with what the will of the people is. So, uh, all right. Well, they'll either drill or not drill, and I'll continue to. I mean, that's another science question that I almost feel like we shouldn't ask. But when they, what happens if they hit the wrong thing and the ocean cracks and all the water seeps out of the ocean? Who's, who's going to be to blame for that? That was Tim that asked that question, by the way. I didn't ask that question. I'm still thinking about the moon and its relative size. The moon uh, wasn't as big as promised last yeah, night, by the way. <laughs> I had I had to walk down at least three or four streets before I could find the moon. <laughs> before it got larger. I just kept walking toward it, and it stayed the same size. The trees in the parks across the street were blocking my view of the moon. I mean, I'm happy to have the trees in both parks, but I had to walk at least three or four blocks to get a glimpse of the moon last night. Were you hoping that the moon would somehow look different than the 10,000 other times you've seen it in your life? Yes, because it promised it was going to be gigantic, and it wasn't. It was a big letdown. No, but they promised it wasn't going to be gigantic. Yep. They promised it was going to be gigantic. All right, they didn't. I don't remember. I thought that was the whole thing, is that they said it, was, they said it wasn't going to be gigantic. I thought it was supposed to look bigger yesterday. You're on my side. We're I, stopping I now. They said, we were talking about like harvest moons, and they said it was going to appear bigger, and then we discussed, and we never came to the conclusion of why. But you're saying it didn't even appear bigger. No. See? Who's laughing now? Am I? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was my attempt just to bring down the curtain, like, aha, there you go. Um, Game, set, match. <laughs> yeah, but whenever you talk about drilling... I mean, there's a, here's the thing. When you drilling talk, a hole in the moon. When you talk, we should we should totally propose that. We should find, we should go demand that we drill into the moon. We'll demand that Barack Obama <laughs> send astronauts to the moon. I promise to drill into the surface of the sun. <laughs> Just something completely implausible. Um, but whenever you talk about drilling, it seems like there's no. This is where where we're either in a really good or a really bad position, depending on who you look at it. Because I don't understand anything about anything. And so on the one hand, you have environmentalists who just seem to scream about drilling anywhere. It's yeah. funny how environmentalists never scream about drilling in Texas, though. Like, they never care about that. No, no, we can't possibly drill in Alaska. But, like, environmentalists have no problem with the fact that we're drilling up half of Texas. Um, you know, drills throughout the South. Nobody ever complains about that. Uh, they just don't. But you can't drill in the ocean. And I don't understand why that is. I mean, I guess if you're saying... If they don't, if they're saying we shouldn't drill because we're going to spend a lot of money and never find anything. If you're living in Malibu, do you want one of these unsightly things? But is that the thing? Is it, but is that why people are opposed to it? Who lives on the coast? Rich Poor people. people. No, it's rich people. So they don't want their uh, they don't want their their view obstructed by oil derricks. I saying. mean, is anybody worth anything living off the coast of Texas? I don't think so. <laughs> I can't wait to make the big money and move to Texas. Find <laughs> that ocean from property. <laughs> I mean, seriously. <laughs> All of Malibu will be empty. <laughs> I'm gonna buy me a great house in El Paso. <laughs> I guess that's true. It is really... That's why people don't care about Texas. You see people flocking to go there, <laughs> and the view there is just of dust and misery. Mm-hmm. All right, well, okay, that does actually make a lot of sense. Never mind. Well, Forget we saw something today. All right. Um, are really are people still calling about Wi-Fi? Was that even today we talked about that? Yeah, that was a few minutes ago. Oh, my gosh, it's a, a three minutes after 1 o'clock on this very radio station. It, it is. would be. It, at KCMD Portland. We're more than halfway done with today's program. How about that? I don't remember anything like we we've done it. today. I just remember Chuck Palahniuk. Oh, that, that was, was a good thing. We talked to Chuck Palahniuk. That's all I remember. That's all that matters. No, today. we talked to Chuck Palahniuk. You know what else we did? What kind of, you know, what, what are my choices for bread? And she said, white wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. White wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. We did that, too. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program, sir or madam, as the case may be. Hey, Rick, how's it going? Hey, what's up? 
Hey, uh, one thing about all this uh, oil drilling and stuff, you know, the platforms they want to drill and put out on the coast are like five miles out. Do you think we can really see them? Yes, you can. In Santa Barbara, you can. On a clear day, you can see forever, sir. Well, you know, the horizon's only sitting at like seven miles. See, mm -hmm. that's something you're saying because you know that I don't have the mental firepower to respond to it. Just a moment. Let me help you here. If you have a $10 million home in Santa Barbara and Goleta, do you want to look out your window and see one of those monstrosities in your backyard? Certainly not. Yeah, if gas is a buck, yeah. But if you're I living do. in Santa Barbara, you do care. You're paying higher property taxes. I get, but, I mean, but, you know, also, I mean, I would imagine, look, if you're living in... All right, in... Let's, let's have one uh, put in Dennis Miller's backyard, since that's where he lives, and so he, he's so poor. So he... I don't see him standing up. Why don't you drill outside my house? So when he's sitting in his kitchen in his bathrobe, he can look out and see, you know, there's a guy named Smitty working on an oil derrick. Chewing on a cigar. Um... But, I mean, and I would also imagine if you live in that property, you could afford to pay for gas, whatever it's going to cost. Yeah. I mean, really. It's... True, but, you know, I've been to California, and I've seen some of the oil derricks that are out there, and it, it's like, well, it's an oil derrick. You oh, know, so you it, can see them. You admit that you can see them by traveling <laughs> yeah, to California. You know, did you go looking for them? Or you, were they they're, not, they're not, like, taking over the whole landscape, like standing at the river and looking at the coin building or downtown Portland. But if you live on that landscape, how would you feel? Uh, that there's an oil derrick there. Yeah, big deal. I've been through Texas, too. So. I'm just saying. Now, where do you live now, sir? I live south of Oregon City. Well, if I had a choice between Oregon City and Santa Barbara, <laughs> yes, I definitely. I think that tells us what we need to know, my friend. Yeah, I live up um, ten acres out south of Oregon City. Yeah, so. I just, I mean, it, but is it simply when people are opposed to this oil to, to put it to drilling in the ocean? Is it just because of an aesthetic thing, or is there some... Like, people say, well, what about the environmental concerns? And I really don't know what the environmental concerns would even be. What happened if a whale bumped his head into one of the sides of these things? The thing that they're afraid of is that they're afraid of an oil leak or yeah. damage to the, you know, the environment, the ocean floor. But isn't oil already in... Like, you're getting oil out of the ground. It's already... It's not like you're getting oil from Mars and dumping into the... Oil no. is a naturally occurring substance, is it not? Yeah, it also bubbles up from the ocean floor and creates you know, oil drifts in the sea. Yeah, and I mean, it happens off the Oregon coast. I think what people don't really stop to realize is the Earth... Why don't we invite them to drill off the Oregon coast? We uh, be wealthy like Governor that. Wall you know what? Wall I don't Wall live at the coast, so it's fine with me. As long as, it would, it would be Tim, as long as it's not in my backyard, that's what I care I about. I think it would be an improvement to some of those coastal towns. You know, the yeah. Earth makes oil. That's kind of the thing that yeah. I never really understand about this. The Earth makes oil, and that we don't make it. The Earth makes it. So, yeah. you know, the Earth makes plastic, too. All right. Really? Thank you. Okay. Bye now. All right, there you go. We're solving nothing with these No, guys. we're not solving anything. But, it, but you know, the thing that sort of the thing that sort of bugs me, and, you know, I'm a big bleeding heart. Everybody sort of knows that. But the thing that bugs me is uh, when people will talk about humans sort of doing all the stuff that's, quote, unnatural, like never really stopping. I mean, that's just such a selfish point of view. It's such a it's such a selfish, small-minded way to look at it. You go, humans are doing all these things to the earth that are unnatural. When really, you know what, we are such a miserable fly speck in all of existence. We are part of nature. We are part of the process. Just like meteors that hit the earth and kill dinosaurs, we are part of the process. Um... You know, and that's it's so. You know, the oil is already in the ground. We bring it. You know, all we. You know what it is? It's like when it's like um, somebody was talking about uh, fire ants or something, and how fire ants are in America because American like shipping boats were in South America and came back here with a load of bananas or something, and we brought fire ants with us. That's an example of how the uh, how humans screw everything up. We brought fire ants back here, but you know what? There are documented cases of like of honeybees who go and they get pollen from plants, 
and then they get caught in some weird, uh, you know, like a jet stream or whatever that the draft is, and the honeybees end up 500 miles away, and they take, uh, you know, they take bits of pollen or seeds or whatever from one state all the way to the other end of the freaking country. Animals carry things all around the earth, and things spread. So we're just part, we're just part of the equation. So the idea that we're somehow, you need to be riding on animals again. I'm just. <laughs> Yeah, the idea that we're somehow superhuman, or that we, or that something done by na- by humans is is unnatural, is just retarded and stupid. Uh, we are part of nature, so anything that happens in nature is by definition a natural process. So you know, everybody should just suck it up a little bit and just realize that we're here for a while. We can't muck things up too badly. Eventually, we'll all be dead, and everything will be fine. Here's Tim Riley. So I know you're going to dispute the speaker, and you probably should. There's been $1.5 billion worth of damage in Iowa. That is a lie. What's worth $1.5 billion in Iowa? That's, that is a purely speculative number. I, can, I reject that number out of hand. I renounce it. Now, even before the Iowa River used the town of Oakville as a shortcut to the Mississippi, there wasn't much there. An old post office, a convenience store, tavern, little roadside restaurant. Largest employer in town was called Tri-Oaks Food. It was a pork and grain producer. The towering grain elevator was the tallest room. The towering grain elevator. Is that going to be a new thriller starring Jeff Foxworthy? Mm -hmm. (laughs) The towering grain elevator. (laughs) Larry the Cable Guy in the tower. You've got to get those people out of there. Sure enough. (laughs) Now, because of this, more than 100 hogs had to be shot to death. Uh, they were preventing floodwaters from gushing into town. Apparently, the hogs were breaking the plastic in sandbags and eating them and causing uh, towns to be washed away. So they had no choice but to kill, well, homegrown Iowa hogs. All of our animals, we uh, got them all out of the buildings before the bottoms flooded down here. We have approximately 1,600 acres of, it was mainly corn ground that is now underwater. That's about two-thirds of our total acres, which is now totally gone. That's Iowa hog farmer Dave Lands. He managed to save most of his hogs from the flood. So uh, apparently Iowa's still there, but it's mostly underwater. And somehow 24 people have been killed, 148 uh, injured, and $1.5 billion in damage to Iowa. Okay. You don't care about the Iowa. I do. I just, I you know, I, I don't really know enough about Iowa. Look, all I know I've about been Iowa. There. It's, it's a very nice state. Is it really? It's flat. And you don't have to go uphill at all. (laughs) There's no place to hide from water unless you sit on the back of a hog. But they're all dead, so... (laughs) The idea of hiding from water by sitting on the back of a hog, that's just the weirdest, most surreal image. Well, the big grain elevator's gone. Can't hide in there. The towering grain elevator. The towering grain elevator. (laughs) Steve McQueen in... Uh, at least 70% of Iowa towns have populations less than that. You know what? And every, can I just say this? Everybody who lives in Iowa hates it there. You know that's true. No, you, you can get a, a pancake breakfast for two ninety nine. <laughs> Not anymore. That's true. Um, <laughs> so, so just because you're uneducated about the state doesn't mean it doesn't exist and that there isn't you know something tragedy like tragic happening. Tim there. is talking about the about two ninety nine pancakes. How can I not make fun of that? Uh, farmer, farmer Dan says he's clearing his corn stalks with the propeller of his boat. I'm just saying, every single person I've ever known who grew up in or lived in Iowa... How many? How many? Just yeah. despised. I would say more than a few. I seem to know a disproportionate number of people who fled Iowa at their first opportunity. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, that slutty girl that my that my, uh, you know, my friend Brian who was having sex with his stepsister, she was slutty. She was from Iowa. She hated it. 
There you go. Based upon those three people. So, so uh, were her actions a vast improvement over her living conditions? And <laughs> that's, what she, that's what she thought as she was having sex with her stepbrother. Well, it's still better than being in Decatur. I don't mean to sound insensitive, Sarah, but I mean, listen, nobody in Iowa is listening Some to me anyway. elevator. Seriously, and what do I know? I mean, maybe maybe there's somebody in Iowa that we don't know. I'm well. Right now. They're probably not listening right now because they probably got larger issues to deal well, with. Well, it says okay. here, you know, Iowans claim they're resilient as hell. We're all worn out though. Well, there you go. I'm just saying, you know, with, with human tragedy, Sarah, one one either laughs or one cries, and here we choose to laugh. That's all I'm saying. That's how yeah, we, we uh, live far away from there. It's uh, we're whistling past the graveyard. Any shrub there is like a park. You know what? And when so. <laughs> It's true. Why do I get all of your scorn, by the way? Tim's over there saying hideous things by the bucketful. Get out of the water by riding a pig. Well, what does that even mean? Because Tim is know. a newsman. He's you not offering questions. opinions. He's, just, he's stating facts. You're offering your opinions. No, I've, I've been to Iowa. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fellow Iowa traveler. <laughs> you know, people in Iowa don't feel sorry for us when something happened. Think people in Iowa, you know, Rick's car was stolen this morning. Let's have a moment of silence. So they don't maybe care. They, maybe they're weeping of the tragedy of your car being stolen. Maybe. And as ironic as this is, Iowans are being urged to conserve water. <laughs> that is ironic. Okay, see? Come on. That's funny. Uh-huh. Okay, here's an email. I'm going to read this unaltered. Rick. The only thing you need to know about Iowa is to not go there. I went to college there for two years. The first summer was 105 degrees and 98 percent humidity. That's what makes the corn grow. The first winter was 72 below with wind chill. During the spring, it was 82 degrees one day and snowed the next. I'm sure someone has to like it there. But if you think Kennewick sucks, at least you've never lived in Iowa. Just my opinion, says one person. You're acting like I like totally lashed on you. I just said I think you could be nicer, and then all of a sudden you're like, Sarah, why don't <laughs> I'm just, you? <laughs> I'm just saying I do not believe I am alone in my opinion that you know, Iowa. Why don't we give away trips to Iowa when the weather gets better? Why don't we? Because no one wants to go there. When is, the last time, when is the last time a contest offered to send somebody to Iowa? Let's, I'm going to Google the phrase, win a trip to Iowa right now. See if anybody's ever done it. I'll, and I will retract I'm going my... to the Division of Tourism to see if I can... Uh, I'm going to Google uh, this and if anybody... Apparently let's see they have wineries and breweries. No results found for win a trip to Iowa, says Google, which indexes like 5 billion web pages. No results found. Well, so, I was right near Nebraska, and Nebraska, a lot of good music has come out of Nebraska. You know, good music comes out of bad places, though. Iowa getaway. Let's find out what that might... Is I'd that like a, to go to Nebraska. Is that a getaway from Iowa? No, I'd like to go to Omaha. getaway that has something for everyone. It's just a short trip away in Iowa. Explore festivals, acclaimed cultural attractions, and starlit celebrations. Tour historic. Oh, is this Rachel McGrath on line four, Richie? I apologize. We should go to her in just a moment. I didn't. Uh, I didn't even see that she was there. I was looking in the warm line. Well, that's it for the Iowa tourism. Station. I'm sorry, and I talked all over the spot for the Iowa tourism board. People have had to go elsewhere. What did What did Iowa have to offer? Uh, they have festivals and uh, they have people square dancing. And, and there's a guy that'll guess your weight. Mm-hmm. All and right, you can make souvenir coins. Let's. Well, then who's on the then who's on the warm line, Richie? It says Rachel McGrath is on line four. Who? All right. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson show uh, from Los Angeles, 
CNN uh, radio correspondent and all-around fantastic human being whose presence on the Rick Emerson show is always well. Thank you, Sarah. I just just I was vamping there. Uh, CNN radio correspondent Rachel McGrath. Hi, Rachel. How are you today? I am very well. I love it when you sort of grovel and, and pay me compliments. You know, really, toadying is something at which I excel. Mm. Have you ever been to Iowa? I have never been to Iowa. I was hoping you were going to do... I thought, instead of Googling it, why don't you offer a trip to Iowa? I could apply, because I've never been to the Heartland. That is a... Do you now... Uh, do you wish to go to the Heartland? Of all the Heartland right, locales... Right now, it's a swamp. Not right now, no. <laughs> maybe later. <laughs> yeah, maybe later. <laughs> of all of the Heartland locales, would you say that Iowa's at the top of your wish list? Absolutely. Sarah wants to go to Nebraska. Now, why would you want to go to Nebraska, Sarah? I mean, if I, mean, I can ask. A lot of um, my favorite recording artists are from Saddle Creek Records, mm -hmm. and that's where most of them came from, like Jenny Lewis, um, like The Good Life, uh, Curse of, like all of those people, um, Bright Eyes, like all those people came from that area. I didn't know Nebraska. Bright Eyes was from Nebraska. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense, actually. I can totally see him coming from yeah. there. Um, see, and of course, my... I'd love to see like the, the kind of environment that bred all these wonderful musicians that I really enjoy. Now, see, and I know that you will go back and accuse me of being, uh, you know, whatever snarky again here but you know what you know what environment breeds all the music you like a bad environment you know happy people never make any any sort of decent music it's all people who wake up every day going god i hate this place maybe i'll go home and huff some paint thinner and write a song uh i mean so you know and of course as a uh you know as a good classic rock enthusiast i want to go to nebraska because of the bruce springsteen album of the same name mm -hmm. um even though i realize that there will be no i mean what but that's the sort of thing you do like like as a guy as a high fidelity guy and maybe rachel maybe i know you're a springsteen enthusiast the, the sort of thing you plan because you somehow think it's going to be i know i'm going to travel to omaha and then i'm going to drive around in a rented u-haul and i'm going to play springsteen's nebraska album and then that takes 42 minutes of your trip, and then you realize that you're in Nebraska, and you've got, like, another four days to kill. You know what I mean? Okay. <laughs> what was that book that we read about the guy who was looking at all the rock and roll tragedies? Chuck Klosterman, that's Killing Myself to Live. Yeah. I never read that, I but I, that. yeah. It was, it was a really good All book. the rock and roll death spots. Yes, that was very yeah. interesting. Um, anywho, so there you go. Rachel McGrath, how do you feel about Bruce Springsteen's album, Nebraska? I don't think I've ever heard it, I'm ashamed to say. Nebraska, I would say, no, I'm not like a huge Springsteen fan. I mean, I'm a, you know, I'd say more than a casual fan, less than a less than an acolyte. Uh, Nebraska, though, of the Springsteen with which I am familiar, I would say that Nebraska is the best Springsteen album. It is just, it's beautiful and just relentlessly bleak. It is, um, it is an album, imagine an album painted solely in black and white, you know, an album that looks mm -hmm. like, an album that sounds like an old black and white, uh, like Steinbeck photo. Okay. Or uh, or if you were to somehow take like the grapes of wrath and just ring that sort of generally uh, that sort of generally dismal tone into uh, you know about 45 minutes worth of music, that's that's Nebraska, and it's got uh, a song called Used Cars on it, which is uh, just one of the most beautiful, uh, most heartbreaking songs ever recorded. So I'll at, check it out at your next opportunity, as Kurt Loder would say, do try to catch it. All right, moving from the important to the ludicrous, so let's talk about Jamie Lynn Spears. Oh, let's. Um, so, I mean, it really is tempting to think, uh, you know, sometimes one believes that only the poor and disadvantaged uh, breed like roaches, and then you realize that it's just kind of generally dense people across the board, regardless of one's economic status, uh, just tend to reproduce. Like the people who are the least qualified to have more children are the ones into whose drinking water just fertility drugs seem to have been deposited by some sort of pregnancy deity. Uh, see Jamie Lynn Spears. So when did this blessed event happen, Rachel McGrath? <laughs> oh, 
I can feel your gritted teeth right now. Um, <laughs> the blessed event, it happened this morning in uh, South Mississippi, another place I've never been. Um, and uh, Jim Belinda apparently gave birth to a nice, healthy baby girl who uh, uh, is going to be called, according to People magazine, Maddie Brienne. And isn't that a lovely name? Uh-huh. And um, Brittany was there. Uh, flew in from Los Angeles with her dad and her brother so to be there to welcome the new baby. You know what I've realized now is, you know, there was a time when Britney Spears was sort of, uh, you know, she was an American sex symbol and a sort of freewheeling single uh, younger lady and so forth. You know what Britney Spears is now? Britney Spears has overnight, she has transmogrified into being uh, that archetypal character, which is the embittered uh, old maid drunken single aunt. I mean, really, that's yeah. what she's going to be drunken, Aunt Brittany. That's really what it is. And then Maddie Brienne is going to go, why can't, why isn't, why doesn't Aunt Brittany have a husband? And, you know, Brittany will just be sitting in a corner at some sort of family gathering drinking Jack Daniels and stubbing out cigarettes on the jeans yeah, yeah. of, you know, that she's wearing. But then Maddie Brienne might be going, why doesn't my mommy have a husband? Well, <laughs> she's not married either. <laughs> so, well, is she going to marry this, uh, this Casey, Casey, what's his name? Um, Casey Aldridge, yeah, he's a, he's a pipe layer. Um, from Mississippi. So to speak. Um, he's 19. Um, they're engaged, of course, because uh-huh. you kind of have to be. But um, but no, there's no sign of a ceremony yet. No ring on the finger. Um, Is this the sort of thing that, do you suppose the family just in your, uh, from your observational standpoint, Rachel McGrath, mm-hmm. uh, does it sort of seem to you as though the family is just sort of keeping him around? He's... Um, like one of those, uh, it'd be like one of those businesses where you get a celebrity who supposedly runs a company, but really, like they just kind of keep him around so they can have his name on it, so they can say, uh, you know, like uh, what's it? Well, this is uh, Planet Hollywood. You know, Bruce Willis uh, runs this joint, and he really doesn't. He's like he just yeah. his name is on it. Do you think Casey Aldridge is being kept around by the Spears family just so it doesn't look like she's some knocked up single girl with no dad? I would say that's that's extremely possible. I would also imagine that having uh, watched Britney um, get married, have two kids, get divorced, and lose a, a chunk of her fortune to her ex-husband and face a custody battle, the last thing they want is another a, another um, married daughter ending up divorced and, and battling over the fortune. So I suspect there's there's a, there's a few things at play here. It really is just sort of some. Uh, it is the the denouement, as they might say, of the of the, of the Cinderella story where. Just for that one brief, bright, shining moment, the Spears family looked as though they were going to lift themselves up out of this trashy background from whence uh, they came. And, yeah. and you know, but now everybody's just turned back into a big spawning pumpkin. So, yeah. And it's, it's very interesting, isn't it, that actually since um, Britney sort of got um, sort of locked up in her own home by her dad and, and controlled, um, nobody's really sort of talking about her. And I, I can't imagine we'll be talking about Jamie Lynn much in the future either. So, I, yeah, I... I, I by my Hollywood career. You know, and Sarah and I were actually talking about today, Sarah Dillon, my producer, and I, that I haven't thought about Britney Spears or Jamie Lynn Spears, except in maybe the most passing of ways, in, I mean, months. And it really is to our detriment as a society and as broadcasters that her dad got her under lock and key because, I mean, really, it just... Those the golden days of her showing off her genitals and shaving her head. I mean, it just seems like a million years ago. No, she's just no fun anymore. I know. All right. Oh, is it true that her dad sold her house? Uh, yeah, she's moving, dare I say, closer to where I live. <laughs> Lucky. My, my husband's already going, um, Brittany and the paparazzi are coming. <laughs> Lucky you, Rachel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, Rachel McGrath, CNN. Do try to catch Br- uh, Bruce Springsteen's Nebraska album. I, I think you'll enjoy it. All okay, right, it is you. always a pleasure. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, guys. Thank you. There you go. There's Rachel McGrath. She has warmed up. You know, it's because I'm charming, Sarah. She's warmed up. <laughs> Here's Tim Riley. Maybe it's her. What? Maybe it's her husband's first time she's mentioned it. That is true. 
She's living the Hollywood lifestyle. Yeah, it's interesting that she says... I mean, I don't really know much about Rachel McGrath, but you're, oh, you were out of the room for this, huh? that um, Britney Spears is actually moving close to where she lives. Oh, really? So. Hey, so I was doing some uh, research about Iowa. Mm-hmm. So much goodness comes from Iowa. What comes from Iowa other than Slipknot? Johnny Carson, Tom Arnold, uh, let's see, Ashton Kutcher. That's not so good. Uh, let's see, Brandon Routh, John Wayne, uh, Elijah Wood. And there's also a lot of state fairs. In now, that. so there, so there are good things that uh, there are good things we have. There's the that, Herbert Hoover National Historic Site. There are Herbert Hoover. As a matter of fact, there's one, there's one of those in Newburgh. So they're both claiming to be his home. So there are a lot of good things that we have because they left Iowa. The question is, is there or was there anything good in Iowa? It seems like maybe things have to maybe they have the, Adventureland. It really? <laughs> yeah. I think Iowa's one big Adventureland right now. One big Splash Mountain. So, so I um, guess you have to go to Nebraska because that's where Wild Kingdom is. Yes. It, Omaha is that, that big preserve for the animals. Uh, oh, cool. I don't know anything about Omaha except that I almost took a job there. And it was before the Internet, so I wasn't really able to see what it looked like. Uh, I almost took a job in a strip mall, a radio station inside a strip mall. I have worked at a radio station in a strip mall before. Really? Yeah. Was it? Did people, could people come by and stare at you while you did the show? They could because it was next to a place that sold pizza slices. <laughs> so they could come by, they could eat while pressing their greasy faces up against the window and watching you play Eddie Rabbit records. And the station office was further down the strip mall, so we never saw any of the office people. Yeah, this guy wanted me to do a rock morning show. Um, I remember the name of the station. But uh, I talked to him, and he's like, yeah, so we're, uh, we're in a strip mall. We're between, like... We're between a Kinko's and a uh, between a Kinko's and a fabric barn, or whatever. And I just hated my job so much I almost took it. But then, but then no. Uh, let's see. This guy says, uh, "Hey, you got to do your Iowa contest. First prize: a week in romantic and intriguing Iowa. Second prize: two weeks in romantic and intriguing Iowa." All right. Thank you. I'm sure they'd be up for that. Here's uh, Tim Riley. Washington Mutual is cutting 1,200 jobs nationwide. The company's largest thrift hit hard by turmoil in the mortgage and credit markets. Says some of the layoffs will be in its home loan business. Loan officers at WAMU have been the target of recent layoffs as the company stopped offering subprime mortgages and other risky loans. WAMU says eligible laid-off employees who don't find other jobs inside the company will receive severance and job placement assistance. Uh, I'm just looking here at these uh, comments about... Yeah, everybody sort of seems to be on the same page. Uh, that uh, maybe maybe an inter- Iowa. Yeah, maybe an interesting place to visit in terms of uh, you know to uh, to just see a different slice of American culture. All right. So going to Nebraska is kind of like maybe it's like going to Aberdeen. Do you know what I mean? It mm-hmm. takes forever to get out of there. <laughs> Nebraska. <laughs> What's well, huge, isn't it? Yeah, it stretches. For it's like, like four Montana. Hours. It's just massive. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. No, it's like going to Aberdeen or Chehalis, where you kind of go there and you sort of see where some of the great artists and bands of our time have come from, but then you realize why they came from there. Aberdeen's a pretty cool-looking town, though. Aberdeen is... It's Aber- creepy. I'm really fascinated. I'm really fascinated by horrible little towns. Mm-hmm. I really am. Horrible, terrible little towns are sort of strangely interesting you to me. like with the trashy little taverns on the corners yeah. and everything. And I remember last time I was in Aberdeen, I was there for a wedding or something, and I had an old Dairy Queen there that was just stopped in time yeah. from, and, like, the early 80s. And it's just, and and that you do, re, it's like, a, okay, here's a place where there, I want to go. There are plenty of trashy little towns south of here. I, I lived in a few of them. Uh, <laughs> it, well, they're, they're only really interesting if you know you can leave, though. That's the thing, right? Because right? mm-hmm. otherwise they're just sad. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, you know, it's like on those occasions when I have to go back to Kennewick. And it's, you know, I can sort of view it now with sort of, you know, perverse interest. Like, That's here's like this horrible place. Because you got it, because you know it's like a round trip. 
It's a round-trip ticket. Yeah, you're not going back there to live because you're knocked up or something. Um, You know where I want to go, actually? Here's a place where I would like to go. This is like your thing of Nebraska. I want to go to Odessa, Texas, um, because Odessa, Texas is the town... It's the town on which Friday Night Lights is based. Mm-hmm. Um, if you read the book Friday Night Lights um, by H.G. Bissinger, which is just one of the most disturbing, fantastic books, and I don't care anything about sports, but it's one of the best books I have ever read because it's this town where there's just the industry is, you know, the, the oil industry is in the toilet, the unemployment rate of like, you know, 60%, off the charts, like alcoholism, domestic violence, crime, everything is just a horrible little town. And that nothing is nothing is funded properly. The schools are falling apart. This is nobody has any money for anything. And then they have this football stadium that seats no lie twenty thousand people. And this guy H D Bissinger, who was writing for the Boston Globe, I think at the time, he heard this. He heard about it from somebody, and he was you know he he said that he couldn't fathom that that a town that had no money, just one big burnt out flashbulb of a town. And yet they had 20,000 people showing up for high school football games, high school games. And so he went and he lived there for a year and studied the, the Permian Panthers, which is the team there, uh, then made famous in the movie Friday Night Lights starring Billy Bob Thornton. And he wrote this book, and it just is the most scorching book about what it's like to live in one of those tiny traps of a town. Mm-hmm. You know, where you are, it's like just one of those, not to be too mellow, you know, where you're just like born, you're just like born into hell. Just born into this roach motel that you can almost never get out of. Oh, like that town in uh, Benny and June? Exa- exactly. Wasn't that in Washington State? It was. Uh, it was Spokane, actually. Oh, what a, <laughs> oh, what a hole. <laughs> yes, I lived there. It's like, oh. Uh, Yep. No, no matter how much they scrub, that bathroom was still oh, yeah. a terror chamber. Uh, yeah, no, it's and it's it's just like being it's just like being born into purgatory, where you're just like, well, maybe if somebody prays for me enough, I'll get out of here. Well, it was like the small town I lived in for a while, Willamina. Yeah. And, and the supermarket rents videos, but there's only like two videos, and they're both Top Gun on VHS. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they all have greasy fa- and everything they sell is Western Family, and Western Family products have like two pages of chemicals. The, the smallest item, it's supposed to be spaghetti, but it's like it's like propane mixed with kerosene. And, and then they have this library building fund, and they have like this uh, this weather vane thing, and it shows. The goal, $2 million. Raise so far, 700 <laughs> And the sign hasn't changed in like five years. And the mayor and his relatives have just switched positions running the city for the past 30 years. They just moved the pictures around in the city hall wall. Jesus, I ate so much Western family food growing up. You don't even know. You go to my mom's house even now, 2008, is probably full of Western family food. I mean, it's, it's just a big bat. And then they just put it in different boxes. It's the same mush for everything. <laughs> okay. Uh, hello, Big Jim. Hello. Hello. I'm sorry you got bumped last time because Chuck Politic came in. Sorry about that. Well, if I'm going to get bumped by anybody, that is uh, that is uh, praise from Caesar. Oh, man. Um, all right. Uh, how so, rad was that guy, huh? He Unbelievable. Was, was he's really cool. I mean, he's just such a, you know, such a soft-spoken but very, you know, he's just very, I don't want to say tightly wound, but he's very intense. You know, he's yeah. very, like, you can tell there's a lot going on there. You know, because some guys who are very softly spoken, it's because you, you get the sense they don't have a whole lot to say. Mm-hmm. And that guy, you know, he is, he, I mean, just, you can tell he's just got such gravitas to him. You I'm know, so this, excited to go home. I'm going to go home and finish Snuff today. That's how excited I am. I actually have been so, him. and I've been catching up on this Anthony Bourdain book, and then i gotta, and then I got to read that because I got my copy too. Um, all right, so I don't know <laughs> anything about this story you're going to tell. Here's here's what I know. Okay. You showed up yesterday afternoon. We're talking to Richie, and Richie put on the screen, Big Jim has great story. 
Uh, <laughs> me, John, big tree. And, and and then we didn't get a chance to do it. And then I know Court was going to tell the story, and he didn't get a chance to do it either. So all that being said, w what is the story you wanted to share with us? Well, I believe yesterday you were talking about uh, um, steak or or various types of uh, of meat products it, or something. It's likely, yes. Okay. Well, um, what I had said was that, uh, and this is this is a story that was uh, reiterated to me through my my previous job. I used to work chasing shoplifters for a living for Tower Records before they went uh, they went belly up. And once a week, once a month, we would meet with all the other groups in the area, like from Winco and TJ Maxx and Fred Myers, at the uh, the police station. And at that time, they'd bring pictures of their their most recent arrests. So if you see this guy in your store, you know he's probably going to steal from you. And the guys that were working at Fred Meyer and Winco were pointing out all these homeless guys. And like, well, you never have to worry about these guys. We're like, well, why is it? Like, well, because you don't sell steak. I'm like, okay, you lost me. I'm like, okay, well, here's the thing. And this is the story that they told me that homeless people more often than not will come in and steal, shoplift as much high-end steak as they possibly can, not for themselves to eat, but so that they can take them to the back doors of strip clubs and sell them oh. at pennies on the dollar. Oh. Now, you know, I can neither confirm nor deny, as I've never been homeless or have worked in a strip club, but uh, it, it would stand to reason. And they, they said we've, we capture three to four homeless people uh, sometimes a day. Coming in and, I mean, like, you know, a prime rib, you know, pork chops, anything that you can fit underneath a ratty, you know, uh, uh, New England Patriots jersey. This is because of that story about the guy who was smuggling lobster in his That's pants. That's what it was, yes. He was stealing lobster by jamming it into his pants. Yeah. And I was like, there's no hosing you can give that. That's, I don't care how long you cook it for. Boil it and bleach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but for no no lie. And uh, I've, I've spoken with some friends who have worked at some of the uh, more lower end, I'll, I'll say, strip clubs here in Portland. And it, it stands to reason. You go in there and you get a steak for very little money. And it's usually of, of pretty good quality. That's a good question, actually, how they can afford to do that, because some of the establishments do offer that kind of food. You know, how much How much is this 20 on steak? That'll be $1.15. Is this Vegas all yeah. of a sudden? <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't understand. That, now it all is so clear to me. Yeah, and uh, the, the pictures of these people that they showed, I'm just like, wow. I would honestly, I think I would know if I bit into a steak with that kind of a tang <laughs> to it. It's like, hmm, this tastes like, uh, this tastes like drifter. Mmm, <laughs> drifter meat. So yeah, that okay. was uh, I reiterated that to uh, to court, and he uh, he his eyes lit up like it was Christmas morning. He's like, I need that. So, yeah, that so, really is I, horrible. I, you you get that uh, you get that first. But you know what it is. You know what it is. That's that's one of those things though that it's, as I was talking to politics about stuff that you never really ponder. But then once somebody tells you, it fills in a blank in your head that you didn't really know was there. Yeah, it's in a sense. I mean, it could potentially be an urban legend, but to have both guys from Winco and Freddy's and a couple other spots that that sold meat saying the same thing, I was like. It kind of makes sense. It kind of fills in that blank. I would imagine, and I mean, uh, and again, just coming off the heels of reading Kitchen Confidential by Anthony Bourdain, where he just talks about, I mean, all of that stuff that you sort of suspect. And I'm not just talking about the stuff about if you complain about your food, the guy spits it on it. I mean, he's talking about all the weird sort of backroom double deals that happened mm. in the culinary industry. And his, like, he has this whole thing about, um, uh, I forget, he's, he has this whole thing about, you know, never, you never order the seafood on, on Monday or Tuesday, ever. He's like, because, he's like if you he's like if you order the seafood on Monday or Tuesday, he's like you know everybody orders their their seafood on Wednesday or Thursday. 
Like, those are the re-up days. Uh, like, whatever seafood you're getting on Monday or Tuesday, that's been sitting around, and they haven't been able to move it. That's, that's some stuff that's just been sitting there, and yeah. they can't quite unload it. Uh, Dusty scallops and, and are the special today. Yeah, and he's you know, and he, he also points out this is and again this is just his take on it. But he also points out that when you go to a restaurant where they have the bread basket that they bring around, mm -hmm. he's like, you know, you know, that's just the same bread that they move from table to table to table to table until somebody finally eats it. Like the the old SNL sketch uh, scraps. Where uh, it's a restaurant where they basically just take the food and they're like, oh, you want a burger? Here you go. Here's three quarters of a burger. Here's some cold fries. Yeah. But I've worked in uh, I've worked in food industry as well, both uh, in cafeterias and universities and a couple of dinner theaters and whatnot. I know sounds glamorous, but uh, they the standards that they would have were so strict because they were you know mandated by the state. Versus when I worked in restaurants and other stuff, and they're like, eh. I mean, there's this overall sense of eh, just get it out. <laughs> Just get their order up. That's really all we care about, you know. And it really, there's a sense of uh, like the, the movie waiting. There's a lot of that sort of thing going on backstage. If you get a cook that's in a bad mood, you know, the food is going to be a little hanky. And my dad had said the, the smartest thing ever. He's like, if you pull up to a restaurant and you see a fat guy walking towards the kitchen and he's the cook, you want to eat there because he eats there. If you see a skinny guy carrying a bag lunch. <laughs> you know what? Just stick the soda and coffee and, and call it good. Yeah, I think. And the other thing I've, I've always heard is that. And I never, I never order my my food well done, uh, just because I don't really like it that way. But the thing I've heard is, you know, you order your food well done. That that's, that's they've got that one piece of meat that's sitting in the meat drawer. <laughs> that if if they cook it anything less than that, it's going to be spotted as like as as like you know it ripe. Uh, you know, and so they wait for the well done. They go, no, 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 you can't. Don't throw that away. You know, that's we can't lose money on that. Wait till somebody orders it well done, and then they just blacken it beyond recognition. It's like two thirds carbon at that point. Like it is going back down the uh, the elemental scale. Exactly. All right, fantastic. Well, thank you for sharing that Anytime, story. Anytime, my friend. Anytime. God bless you. All right, Big Jim from Rock 101 KUFO. Excellent. Uh, it is five zero three seven three three two nine seventy five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Is this Dorothy Carcassari? I really have no idea. Is it Thursday? Yes. What is up with this week, man? Yes, and we... All right. Do we need to take a break? Um, well, if it's her, I don't want to make her wait. So Let's just see. stare at the phone. Yay! Did you get that link with all of the different popcorn songs? Uh, yes. But there's like hundreds of them. It's amazing. You know what? I say we break. Uh, because whoever that is, they're not going to be on hold right away. We'll come back after this. Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer. More from Tim Riley. Later on, Chris Paddock with the top five songs that begin with sound effects. Stay there. the Rick Emerson radio program. Oh, by the way, speaking of Kennewick, uh, so my mom left me a sad man. This, this won't matter to me. Uh, it won't matter to anybody but me and uh, people who are either from Kennewick or have gone to Kennewick. So as I always say, the only good thing about Kennewick is Hubby's Pizza. Um, and so the founder, uh, owner, manager of Hubby's Pizza killed dead. Totally dead. Freaking dead. Tragic boat accident. So, uh, so there you go. So, uh, so uh, other Kennewick residents or refugees in the house uh, will mourn the uh, the death of the, I don't even actually know his name, but the guy who founded and ran Hubby's Pizza. So there you go. Dead, dead. All right, it's five zero three seven three three two nine two. Oh, but speaking of food, though, so we uh, we don't tend to do this now because we get all this talking to do. Uh, but uh, sometime next hour, we should set aside a segment. We should because we we had the, the great discussion the uh, day before yesterday about shame foods. 
And we had this whole high concept topic about the the food you eat when nobody else is around. And so uh, we had what I thought was a pretty great idea of doing a small shame food buffet tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow's Friday, isn't it? It is. Yeah. So some kind of a shame food buffet. So what we would need is, don't call about this yet, uh, but what we would need is about, I would say, four or five people who are, A, able to come by the show tomorrow, I would say around 2 o'clock, B, able to then bring, you know, pre-made a small uh, a, a small smattering of whatever your shame food is. So we had, like, that woman who was wrapping, what was she, was wrapping fish sticks and cheese or something? What the hell was it? Uh, mozzarella sticks in craft singles. In craft singles. Oh, that sounds so good. It doesn't it sound good? And so we had that, and then we had the guy who was blending, like, cream cheese and peanut butter and tortilla chips or something together. Uh, so it, later on, maybe next hour, uh, we'll open the phones, and we will look for four or five people who can create... Uh, just like a sampler platter of their shame food, and we'll have a shame, and I'll bring some too, uh, and we'll have a shame food buffet uh, tomorrow. Sort of like uh, the most low-rent canapé you can possibly imagine. Uh, we'll have more from Tim Riley here in just a moment. Let's now welcome to the Rick Emerson Show from the National Enquirer, our good friend Dorothy Carcassari. Hello, Dorothy. How are you today? Hi, guys. I'm good. How are you? I actually should say greetings from the beach. I'm in the Hamptons working on a story, and I took a little break to sit by the ocean. Now, is this uh, is this a story about which you can uh, talk right now, or is this something we'll have to wait and hear the, the resolution of later? Uh, you're going to have to wait and hear the resolution of it later, but you do know that there is a major divorce trial coming up of a famous celebrity who lives in the Hamptons, and that's all that I can say. I don't know. Everybody in the world, we're all giving each other very meaningful, uh, meaningful looks right now. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a note, and we'll discuss it amongst ourselves once you're off the phone, so you're not made awkward by the whole thing. Divorce, okay. divorce, and Hamptons. Um, and I actually have to plead a little bit of ignorance that I haven't gone to the website today, and my local news emporium has been really egregiously late in stocking the Inquirer. So I think I'm like, wait, I'm wait. I think that the, I think the issue that they got is still like the Bill Clinton issue or something. But um, so I know you've got a little something about uh, the Spears family, I believe, and I think there's a, a little something about Madonna too. But that's the extent of it. That's all I know. You'll have to fill me in on the rest. Okay. Well, today was definitely a good day to go to the website. I'm sorry that you didn't because. We started, as I said a while back, doing on-camera red carpet interviews with celebrities, and we just posted a new video today. We did a sit-down exclusive interview with Chubby Checker, and he gave me my own private Swiss lesson. So you have to check the website out, <laughs> nationalenquirer.com, to catch that. Now, in our issue, we have Kirstie Alley as our cover girl. Of course you do. 240-pound <laughs> Kirstie collapses. Pals rush to save her. Wow. That's, I mean, I, you got to wonder if there's just a whole lot of floor reinforcing happening at her place right now, because that's, uh, you know, she just, she just seems like a, uh, it, it just seems like a money pit scene waiting to happen there. You know what I mean? Where she loses her grip on the railing just one time too many and right through the floorboards. Absolutely. Absolutely. She's, she's not doing too good, at least according to our sources. Um, we also have uh, Brittany Spears. She's uh, getting her act together, but she's becoming a little bit desperate in her love life and begging, of all people, her ex-husband Kevin Federline to remarry her. Jesus. I mean, really, how low have you sunk in your life when you're going back and demanding that Kevin Federline uh, remarry you? you got to wonder who else in the black book she's already gone through. I mean, that's... It does seem like he would be on the absolute last page of people you would be calling. You know what I mean? Well, you know, one of the reasons why she may be wanting to pursue that relationship again is because of the fact that while she 
became a complete train wreck, he actually kept his reputation. You know, he actually kind of made himself look better, I think. He stayed out of the spotlight. He actually proved himself as a good father to the kids. He was taking them as being very responsible. And I think in the end, he was the one that kind of came out of the situation looking better than she did. So maybe she's trying to just get her whole life back on track and She's thinking if I can get my whole family back together, that might be a step in the right direction. You know, and here's an interesting thing about Britney Spears is we've all kind of forgotten about that Jason Alexander guy that she was married to for like an hour and a half. And uh, and he was the guy that I guess the childhood friend and they got married in Vegas and they consummated the marriage and then they got divorced and whatever. And I thought at one point he was pitching or peddling some book that he was going to be writing about this. And he's kind of fallen through the Britney Spears cracks, so to speak. He has fallen through the cracks. It may be that while she took a turn for the worst, he decided to just completely distance himself from her at all costs. Because during that time of the head-shaving incident and the paramedics coming, a lot of people that used to be Team Brittany didn't really want to be associated with her. And, and maybe he was one of them. I know it, it does seem like there are worse moves you can make than to completely distance yourself uh, from Brittany at this point. It doesn't really seem like a, doesn't really seem like that's a road to Wellville in any sense. All right, uh, enjoy your time in the Hamptons. Good luck in your story, and uh, we will be checking out your private twist lesson with Chubby Checker at NationalEnquirer.com uh, momentarily, Dorothy. Great. All right. Thanks a lot. All right. Thank you, Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer. There you go. Fantastic. Thank you, Dorothy. Excellent. All right. I totally have to go look at that later. Uh, all right. What are we doing here? What time is it? It's 1.52. All right. Rick, I don't know if you've heard of this, says this email, but Allison Hannigan has a sex tape. I'm downloading it now to make sure that it's her. Thank you, sir. That's from um, Dallas. Dallas says he's downloading the Allison Hannigan sex tape. All right. Fantastic. I like what I'm hearing. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. A brouhaha. Over a missing camera erupted into a 100-person brawl at a wedding reception in upstate New York. Six people were arrested. 30 cops were called to the Romana Inn. A woman was stabbed in the leg. The groom punched in the face, and the disc jockey was stabbed in the neck. That's a dangerous thing to be doing. I have nothing to add to that story. There's really nothing, nothing I can add to it apart from the actual neck stabbing and so forth. You right. must have forgot the hokey pokey. Yes. Happy birthday to the Hula Hoop. It's 50 years old today. It may be hard to believe that such a low-tech gadget was popular, but it was 50 years ago. Uh, that's when Richard Nur and Arthur Spud Mellon sought a trademark for a thin plastic hoop that was made by Whammo. It was $1.98 for the Hula Hoop. They <laughs> sold more than $100 million. Does Whammo still exist? I would imagine so. Whammo. What else did they say? They made the Hula Hoop. Did they make the Slinky? No, maybe. Whammo they made, made the something frisbee. else. The frisbee. The frisbee. That was the thing. I knew that, and there was something in an E. So Whammo was. What else did? What was something else that Whammo made? And they would have those great ads from Whammo. The slip and slide. Doesn't Whammo sound like a made-up company? Yeah. It doesn't. It sounds like some sort of fictitious toy company that they have in like a retro film now. Oh, Whammo also had this weird mechanical bird that you would throw in the air that flew back to you. It was like a. It was like, like pterodactyl kind of thing. Kind of. It was like a. I never remember that. It was like a boomerang, but it was shaped like a bird, and the wings would flap, and then it would sort of float in a circle and come back to you. I forget what it was called. It was, but it was something, something. Bless you. It was the something from Whammo, of course. All right. Which is where John Chris Felucci got the the Blammo thing. Bless you. Blammo. Hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson show. Blammo is the toy company in Ren and Stimpy. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hello. Is it me? Yes, it is. Hello. 
Hi. Hi. I was calling to let Sarah, wonder if Sarah knew that, because she likes Easy Mac so much, do, did she know that Macaroni and Cheese now has a Macaroni and Cheese snack cracker? I saw I that. Saw I've that. seen it in Safeway, but I've never tried, tasted them. I saw it the other day, and it's shaped like macaroni, isn't it? I know. I just saw it the other day at Safeway, and it made me think of Sarah instantly. So you, I wonder <laughs> if it actually tastes like Kraft macaroni. I, I've been curious. I have to Can say. Can you imagine the dangerously macaroni. addictive properties of a snack because cracker I that tasted like macaroni? I love crackers so much, Sarah, and then so I love next, Easy Mac so much. Next time you're in Safeway, ask them if you can sample it. They'll open it for you. Is that true? It's true. I didn't know I that. I work for Safeway. We sample everything. No way. No, that's a lie. Everything. No, it's not. You go in the bakery and say, what's that taste like? We'll say, would you like to sample? You can say, hey, is this brand better than that brand? They'll say, would you like to sample it? Now, does that go for for a sealed boxed product, though? Yes, it does. I wanted uh, to find out if this uh, marinade tasted or smelled good. And they opened, Before I bought it, they opened it up and let me try it. That is righteous. Okay, today I'm totally going to say a point. I'm going to ask to sample the Kraft Macaroni Cheese Crackers. Do it. All right, you're a good person. Best show ever. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Uh, still makes a slip and slide. Do they? The slip and slide is great. <laughs> Except there was always that one kid that would set it up right near the driveway, and he'd slide right into his family's Buick. I was never allowed to play on the slip and slide. Really? Oh, Why? My, my, my parents. You my break your legs. Let us, yeah. They just, you know, parents see the, perceive the weirdest things to be dangerous. You know, things that really, when you think about it, I mean, considering the fact that you were out getting blind drunk on night train, I mean, the idea that they wouldn't let you use the slip and slide is kind of interesting. But they didn't know about the blind drunk on night train. I suppose. Hey, you know, the, the slip and slide is one of those things that some, some adult uh, in southeast Portland ought to bring back for their wacky backyard party now that it's summertime. You ought to do that, Sarah. Throw a party slip just so slide? you can have a, a slip and slide for adults. Hmm, maybe. I don't I, I don't think I'd want to deal with that responsibility. Somebody got to do it. I know it how then. much my friends drink. It's like one of those. be just a liability. Like maybe a thing that Jen Lane ought to do, you know, one of her barfly parties where yeah. you're like, and you get drunk on the slip and slide. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. It's you. Is it me? <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm sorry. I just got a good Iowa story. Okay. Uh, uh, Howard Letterer, you know who he is, right? Wait, why do I know Howard Letterer? Uh, poker player. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. Well, they did a prop bet where he bet Huck Seed $100,000 that he couldn't live in Iowa for three weeks, and he lasted 10 days. Is that true? And he, after, and he just, yeah. after this, I have to get out of here. Yes. Excellent. He, he lasted 10 days. It was just that excruciating. Yeah. Uh, Des Moines. All right. Thank you, my friend. You're welcome. All right. Excellent. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program, a Cavalcade of Insanity. Hey, Rick. Hey, Tim. Hey, sir. Hello. Hey. Hello. Um, about those crackers, Rick, yeah. don't eat them. Why? They taste just like it. I oh. went through six boxes in the last three days. No. How can a cracker possibly taste like the deliciousness that is Easy Mac? Well, you know, anything can taste like anything now, though, because it's just, it's all, uh, and I mean this in the best way, it's just chemicals, right? True. So, when, so let me understand this. So you bought them, and now you, of course, you like Kraft Macaroni and Cheese. Oh, yeah. You saw the box. Did you know they existed, or was it like an impulse buy? It, it was just one of those things walking down the cracker and go, hey, look, there's four different macaroni and cheese crackers. This is a thing I, Tim is I, never what? in danger of eating, by the way. Um, you know what I love? I love crackers. God help me. I love crackers. I like so Trader much. Joe's wheat crackers. Uh, I eat you know, crackers of any and all variety. Let me ask you this. Well, let's go around the room real quickly. Wheat thins or Triscuits? Go. Oh, man, it depends on the what dipping thing I'm using. Let's say it's like, uh, let's say it's Christmas cheese ball. Oh, that would be Triscuits. Tim? Well, I wouldn't have any cheese balls, but I eat the uh, the wheat thins. All right, sir, where do you, you come? Like wheat thins with uh, cream cheese. Wheat thins are so good. Oh man, uh, wheat thins are kind of sweet too, which is the dangerous mm-hmm. thing. They got that glaze on them. Hey, sir, where do you come down on the big uh, wheat thins uh, triscuits question? Triscuits, 
Yeah, see, but for me, I'm you know, and they make. Have you seen that herb and olive oil trisket that they make? They make a trisket now that's it's I've like had it's my, rosemary. All the, all the rosemary, yep. Oh. All right. Uh, in any event, uh, so you buy, okay? So you buy the Kraft macaroni and cheese crackers. Uh, did you even make it home, or did you eat them in the car? I, I was actually. I just stopped there to get some to eat at Safeway, and I mm-hmm. saw them. I'm like, oh, I'll add them with my sandwich. And then I found myself getting off and going to buy more boxes. And so, when you first put it in your mouth, was it was it a little bit of was it sort of strange? Because it, I mean, you you would say it tastes just like Kraft macaroni and cheese, but it's a cracker. Yeah, it, it tripped me out because it was like. Okay, it's not supposed to be crunchy. <laughs> My mind started playing tricks on me. It's like, That's the thing. It's that just, is so mean. Now we're talking about this and I'm starving. It's, and like, it's a like when you. Um, like Easy Mac. It's like that was that whole weird thing with like the Crystal Pepsi or whatever, where it looks like 7 Up tastes like Pepsi. So, how long did it take you to eat the first box? About a half hour. You're really, you're really telling us. I'm sorry, I just don't believe. My mouth is you're actually really watering again. It, it really tastes like Easy Mac. I'm gonna bring some in tomorrow then. The, the, the trippy thing is, it's not the cheese. It, you can actually taste like the noodle, and and then it's just like that's what seals the whole deal. It's like the cheese, you know, that's that's easy to come you up. You know with. what it is? This are you is, messing with us, sir? This is just mean if you are. You know what this is, Sarah? It's the easiest Mac. Okay, here's the thing. I you can't get them tonight. I'll bring them in tomorrow. We'll try them on the show. I will buy some tonight, and I will keep them sealed. If you like me, like me too, I can I can shake the box right in front of you. <laughs> Please do. Shake the box. Shake the box. <laughs> <laughs> you are fantastic. Thank you, my friend. All right. Best audience ever. Okay, I'll that buy some tonight. Wrong. I'll buy some tonight. We'll keep them sealed. It'll be it'll be another special bonding experience for us. All right. Yeah, I thought you were on your diet. <sighs> yeah. But we're gonna have we're gonna maybe do the sampling. But we were gonna do the yeah we were gonna do the shame and sampler Friday. Yeah, we were gonna do the shame food buffet anyway. To my credit, it's not like I'm completely off the diet. It's just I realized that it's just I think she made the diet. My wife made the diet a little too extreme for me. She just she took me from like sixty to zero, and I think I thought I'm like you know I just can't I can't do it all at once. Like I'm gonna have to try to eat better, but I'm just not gonna be able to eat like as good as as good as well whatever as healthily as I should. So I'm eating better, but not like that great. I can't stop thinking about the Easy Mac crackers. Can you? Uh, no. No, literally my mouth is actually watering. Do we have to break? Yeah. All right. I'm going to break. We'll come back. Chris Paddock around the corner with the top five. He'll join us here. We'll do the top five songs. Start with sound effects. If you're on hold, ugh, we got more cracker calls. <laughs> uh, somebody has a question about our screaming sound effect. Somebody else about Kraft Macaroni and Cheese. Uh, will it play goth or not? And uh, we'll talk about tomorrow's Shame Food Buffet. Say there. Excellent. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. In just a moment, we'll uh, do today's top five with Chris Paddock from Rock 101 KUFO. Um, he's going to be doing the top five songs that start with a sound effect. So Tim Riley will be joining us in the studio for that. Then we'll do Tim's news. Uh, later on in the hour, we will seek participants for tomorrow's Shame Food Buffet. So don't call about that quite yet. But here's a, here's an example of the kind of thing I'm talking about. Rick, uh, I'm behind on the podcast. I'm just now hearing about the food porn. Here is my favorite. It's a cooked Jimmy Dean sausage link shoved into a caramel ho-ho. <laughs> he said it is a little slice of heaven. I've only eaten it once because it makes me feel bad, but I look back on it like I got lucky with a supermodel. I also once crushed a bag of double stuff Oreos into a bowl and ate it like a bowl of cereal. All right, there you go. I knew a guy who would do that with ice cream cones, by the way. He would mash up ice cream cones, pour them into a bowl. You know, can I just tell you this? And then we'll get the you know these calls and we got the, we'll do the top five here Rick, and whatever. Can I tell you these? 
the crackers are made out of the exact same cheese as the macaroni and cheese. Well, of course they are. The Easy Mac, but the rich, powdery goodness. I found that right now. See, every time you start talking about it, literally, it's like a Pavlovian thing. It's like you're ringing a bell and I'm salivating. Uh, all right. Uh, Rick, this guy says, is the audience messing with us? I can't find any information about Easy Mac crackers on the Internet. No, I saw I them. I found them. I found them right now. Well, you know what? Well, they're, called, um, they're called Kraft Mac and Cheese crackers. He says, not even Google helped me. No, but I, yeah, I saw them with my own eyes at Safeway. Uh, the Safeway at 39th and Powell. I saw them just a couple of, uh, just I think it was either yesterday or the day before. Here's mm-hmm. the thing. Maybe it's like those Doritos, the X10 5J9 Doritos or whatever. You know, remember the, remember the mystery flavor Doritos that were a cheeseburger? Maybe they figured that Southeast Portland is like a place to test all those because I saw them. They were there. Uh, people who know the Safeway on 39th and Powell, they were right by the dairy section. They were right by the milk case. Uh, there was like an end of aisle impulse purchase display thing. Majig. All right, so uh, they have 150 calories. Per serving. So the serving size is 44 pieces, and the serving support container is about eight. For each serving, there's 150 calories. So that's a thousand. There are a thousand calories a box. Jesus. All right. Uh, let's see here. We'll do the top five here in just a moment. Hi, you're on the Rick, uh, Rick Emerson Radio Program. Hello. Rick, uh, Tim. Hey, this is Jim in the coop. Hello, Hello. What's up? I'm a cracker, but I'm calling about the sound effect you just played. Yes. Um. I'm cruising around with my three-year-old son, and it's a screaming sound effect. You mean you're talking about the... Yeah. Yeah. And my three-year-old, he's, uh, like, extremely addicted to Lego Star Wars. Uh-huh. And he made the call. It was the sound of one of the guys falling. Is that correct? Or it, well, I... here's... He... Jabba's Palace. Jabba's Palace. What is, right, uh, what is your son's name, sir? My son's name is Brody. Uh, can we? Do, would you mind if we talk to Brody for a second? No, absolutely not. Hold on. All right. Brody, he wants to ask you. Brody, it's Rick. Hi, Brody. How you doing? Good. Hey, so um, so you like Lego Star Wars? Yep. Excellent. I have the game. You have the game. Do you play it a lot? Yeah. Would you say you're pretty good at it? Hello. Brody. Are you still there? Yeah. Hi. So, are you pretty good at the, are you pretty good at Lego Star Wars? Yeah. What is your favorite part? What's your favorite part of the game? All of them. All of them. Um, and so, did you recognize this sound effect? Yeah. Where's that from in Lego Star Wars? Yeah, that one. It's from what? What guy is it? Um, is it uh, is it from the Jawa pit? Is that what you said? Oh yeah, Jawa. Excellent. All right. Thank you, Brody. Can you hand the phone back to your dad? Well, how'd that go, right? <laughs> <laughs> He's a chatterbox. Um, no, so here's here's the thing real quickly. Here's a little history lesson about this sound effect. This sound, that is called the Wilhelm. Uh, and it's named for, I think the actor, his name was like Wilhelm something or other. And it's from a 19, like 30, I'm, I'm mangling the history of this, but it's like a 1939 adventure film. And it's a guy, there's a scene where a guy gets thrown into an alligator pit and he makes that noise. Okay. Okay. And I've heard that reference before. Now that you mention it, it's all over. It's in, yeah, it's in like Spielberg movie. It's in the new kingdom of the crystal skull, the new Indiana Jones film. It is, it's in all the star Wars movies. It is used. And I believe it is in Lego star Wars when, Jabba, when the guy falls down into Sarlacc's pit. Oh, into Sarlacc. Okay, when he's, I thought he was talking about the Jawa pit, and I couldn't quite figure it out. Okay, that totally, that totally makes sense. When they fall into the Sarlacc pit to be digested over the course of a thousand years. Yes, sir. Right on. All, All right. right. Thank you, my friend. 
Cool, Rick. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, there you go. That's the cutest sounding kid. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, well, I see. We're kind of. Uh, Chris Paddock. Think Chris Paddock seems to have vanished, and we're waiting on Tim Riley. We can probably do the top five here. Should I start the music and then go and find him? That's a good idea. Wait, here comes Chris Paddock. All right, now uh, we're simply waiting on Tim Riley to appear. Don't I'm, let us inconvenience I'm really sorry. Uh, okay. I was trying to get the smell of polo sport off me. Ladies and gentlemen, Five, thank you. Four, three, two, one, fire. Why would the smell of polo sport be on you? Well, I was hanging out with one Richie Bristol. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, no, you don't want to do that. No. No, that way. Are you hugging him or something? Oh, he sprayed the roof. Yeah, no, it's it, it sort of is like, uh, it, I mean, you know how it is. Uh, people who wear a lot of either cologne or perfume, and you get in close quarters with them, and it's just, it's like walking into a bar, but you only go in for 10 seconds to ask directions, and then for the rest of the day, you just smell like, you smell like a Pall Mall. Yeah. So. All right, ladies and gentlemen, with your top five, here is Tim Riley. And from time to time, we turn to an outside source, an external way of looking at the world, a supplementary view on the musical phenomenon. In short, we occasionally uh, feature a top five list by somebody else. In this case, KUFO program director Chris Paddock, who presents these, the top five songs that begin with sound effects. Thank you. That's wonderful. What a, what a lead up. I feel so honored. All right, then. Thank you very much. Well, all right. Uh, took some time on this one. No honorable mentions on this, but uh, we'll start the countdown with uh, number five. This is uh, from Primus. There, yeah, see, get the car starting there. It's Jerry with a race car driver. And this is off Sailing the Seas of Cheese. A fantastic song, and frankly, what got me started on this, and, and we'll get to this uh, particular artist very shortly, in fact, after Primus, but uh, it's a new song that we are currently being worked at uh, KUFO that starts with the sound of a motorcycle starting, so I, I, I was inspired. And certainly Primus does the trick. I mean, you, uh, you ever played this song when you were a uh, rock? I did. I had to play this, and I had to play Tommy the Cat, uh, okay. which was the Primus song off the soundtrack to Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Oh, um, little known fact. I should tell you this right now. I despise Primus. Do you? I hate yeah. Primus with everything in well. me. Very um, beloved band, Sarah. Not a fan. Um, I wouldn't say this or that. I mean, I don't. They don't bother me, but I'd never really listen to them. I mean, I'll they, say they, this. They seem very creative. I mean, that's the thing. No, that's the thing about Les. I, it, I guess it's wrong to say that I like. It, when I say I hate them, it sounds like I hate them personally. Like yes, Les Claypool, do, like yeah. he ran over right. my dog or something. Right. It's not really that. It's just I. I listened to this music. I used to have it. Here's the thing. Is I lived with a guy for a while who was a huge Primus fanatic. See, that's like, it's like people don't casually like Primus. They're like, love Oh, they're very. That's my thing. Yes, they're very. Uh, let me just say this. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, they they they're, they're, they look at them as, a, as though they're gods. And the thing about it is, if you know, it's like I was. I talk about cluster interests. Like a guy who's into Monty Python is also into Weird Al. Always. Yeah. A guy who is into Primus is also always into Tool. Always. Oh, absolutely, because of the musicianship that takes place. Right? But it's In not. It's a specific kind of musicianship. It's like this. It, there's, and I can't really describe it. But it's like there's this trinity of Primus, Tool, and Rage Against the Machine. Oh, I don't. I don't think about Rage Against the Machine necessarily in that. What about Gwar? Guar. Oh, Guar's awesome to be live. Okay. Guar is like nothing else. There is no other constellation of acts with, with Guar. Well, let's get into the, the constellation of Rick Emerson. Perhaps this might actually uh, get into your Tim, world. Tim, what is our number four song? It is called uh, Jack Kyle and the Lumberjack <laughs> song. Sarah, do you know this? Yeah. Um, I don't think so. Uh, the, this is Jackal. 
The Lumberjack song. You're not familiar with this at all. This wow. is uh, cut number five, I believe, on uh, their... Uh, is it self-titled? I believe it's just 19... called Jackal. 1992? I swear to God, the lead instrument for most of the song is a chainsaw. Yes. We have. I have heard this because you specifically played it on the show once, I remember. Yeah. And I think this was made famous when... Remember when they, they brought uh, Woodstock back? Yeah, Woodstock 94. Yes. Uh, Jackal stole the show by bringing the chainsaw on stage at uh, Woodstock 94. And then they were never heard from again. But we are currently being worked on the solo project of one Jesse James. Really? Play. Yes. Which, uh, his new song starts with the sound of a motorcycle starting. Well, you know so what? There's really no, no end of the originality. Never forget what made you famous. That's right. It's become the trademark. Uh, so the thing about Jackal is, and of course, you know, Jackal, their lead single from this record was a song called I Stand Alone, huh? which is a great record, by the way. That's a great song. Yeah. And it also ends with an oi. You and I were talking about this. I'm a sucker for, for any song that ends with guys going, oi! And this song, um, this song, I Stand Alone, ends with all the dudes around a microphone going, oi! And I was like, all right, I'm sold. Well, it should be noted, too, that as you had once so eloquently stated, that you kind of grew up on the Sunset Strip, and I grew up into the streets of Athens, Georgia, musically. This is so retarded. Listen to this. Yeah. They make a lot of racket. You kids in your chainsaws, keep the it down out there. Noise. Yeah, no, that's that is true. I mean, mentally speaking, yeah, you grew up in Athens, and yeah. I was kind of hanging outside the rainbow. And this is by no means, uh, by the way, Tim Tim Riley. This is not sampling. This is real. Is this the Jews harp? This is the actual. <laughs> <laughs> it's the electric yeah. Jews harp. Yes, yes it is. Yes. Tim yeah. Riley. Uh, number three is uh, Genesis with the Legal Aliens. Oh yeah. Is this a slot machine? Well, it's the sound of uh, Tijuana taxis honking at each other Wait, with tape roll. i got to hear it again. Here. It's very subtle. Is this off... What record is this off? Well, Abacab? I mean, no, this is off the uh, self-titled Genesis release in 1983. Jesus. Also featured Mama. Talk about songs you could never release today. Absolutely not. Listen to Phil Collins. Fake-ass Mexican accent. Phil Collins, a British singer, doing a fake Mexican accent. And I heard this uh, last weekend while I was in Phoenix doing some business. And let me just tell you this, that... uh, I was struck by how racist this song is. It's Oh, yeah. it's uh, um, The chorus is, it's no fun being an illegal alien. Yeah. And he sings with an accent. He sings, yeah. and in the, the by the way, song. And in the video, he and the rest of Genesis are pretending... <laughs> Wait, we got to... <laughs> Says the whitest man wow. on earth. Yeah, not, not, not much fun. But here's the thing, you watch the video... And I'm not, they're not in brown face, but they might as well be. Oh, yeah. Because they're dressed in, like, ponchos, sombreros, <laughs> and they're drinking and, like, laying around sleeping all day. They have huge mustaches. With a huge, like, Speedy Gonzalez-like outfit on. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, is, uh, it is an insult. It's, it's, it's unbelievably <laughs> offensive. <laughs> I mean, literally, it's like the white... I mean, look, and you don't get whiter than, than British whites. I mean, there's white guys dressed... Like a white guy's idea of what a Mexican immigrant looks like. And again, just drinking and sleeping for a lot of the video. And then there's this line, you know, because, you know, it's no fun being an illegal alien. But the song has the line, um, I forget the line that precedes it, but he's talking about being in America. And he says, where everything oh, comes everything, easy. Everything just 
falls into your hand, basically. They just put it right there. I, I think the line You is, just hold out your hand. Yeah, that that's, the, that's the line. You just hold out your hand. In America, where everything comes easy, you just hold out your hand. Because, of course, that's what all immigrants do. They just have their hand out, says Phil Collins. And, if, you know, keep in mind, the, the art rock roots of Genesis... Is this what really Peter Gabriel was thinking of when he got together with Mike Rutherford and Tony Banks? I, I want to do, so. do hideously off-putting songs about Mexicans. <laughs> Tim Riley. Number two is Buckner and Gloria, Pac-Man Fever. It's actually Buckner and Garcia. What did I call her? Gloria. Oh, I'm sorry. But that was Laura Branigan. I think that was the same year this was released. Yeah. What yeah. a bad song this is. It's just awful. Sentimental favorite right here. They did a whole album of these songs. Yes. Uh, do the Donkey Kong. Frogger's Lament. Yes. Yeah. I swear to God, there's I, a song called Frogger's <laughs> Lament. I, I know that in the past I've been on the show and I, I own the Christy and Jimmy McNichol LP. I think that's been revealed before uh, to your listeners. I also own this on vinyl. Can I tell you that I was uh, driving I was driving to my shrink appointment actually last week and I had my MP3 yeah. plugged in and I was listening to it. And you know what came up on random was Page by Page by Christy Ooh. and Jimmy McNichol. Ah. And I was like, you know what? I like this song. Right. Damn good. You know what else these guys wrote? Buckner and Garcia? Yeah. Oh, you're going to get me on this one. I'm going to be stung. They wrote the lyrics for the extended 45 version of the WKRP theme. The the closing theme? No, no, no. That's Max Hash. Okay. The opening theme that's the, baby, if you've ever wondered. If you get the 45, which I have, they're like extra stanzas and lyrics, and they wrote... The record company's like, we need the song to be longer. Get some staff writers. And they brought in Buckner and Garcia, who wrote the extended lyrics. Does, does it outline the part where they found out where Andy Travis bought his blue jeans? No. Okay. That's unfortunate. So this is a... Wow. You, come to, you think about this? This is a big record when it came out. It is. It was a huge... Well, you know, people forget that there was a time when Pac-Man didn't exist. And it's amazing that such a simple game... It was a huge... I mean, it was a massive influence on culture. Could someone write a Gears of War song, please? Well, you know, it's interesting that you say that because this is sort of in a strange way. This is the grandparent of all of those video game soundtracks today where you got Trent Reznor doing the soundtrack to, you know, to Quake. Thank Uh, God with better musicianship, that's for sure. Yeah. Wow. All right. Top five songs that start with sound effects. And along last number one, somebody I've heard of. The Doors, an L.A. woman. Yeah. Yeah. Got to end it on a high, at least. You know the thing I noticed about this, I was listening to this song this morning, is that in this uh, song, Jim Morrison doesn't just sound drunk, he sounds fat. Oh, d- oh, totally. Because you know how a fat yeah. guy talks? Yeah. Very jowly. <laughs> he sounds yeah. fat. Yeah. I think you hear his jowls actually slap somewhere here in the beginning of this. He sounds like a beery, boozed out, drunken, yeah. fat guy now, when he sings this. Do you think it's unfortunate that the visage of Val Kilmer as a fat Jim Morrison is now forever... forever associated with uh, the recording of this song and how it was dramatized? Maybe. I, You know, I just... I run so hot and cold on the doors because, you know, they're a band where I really like some of their singles. Um, but Jim Morrison himself just irritates me so badly in well, so many ways. If you listen to... That's a fat That's man. That's a fat guy. I've never heard one. Listen to this. You can you can totally you can hear the girth. Yeah. That's not the okay. skinny leather pants wearing lizard king. That is a that's fat a, Komodo that's, dragon. Seriously, that's a big ass singer. You know what? I, and you know here, as I was picturing this, I was listening to this, this morning. I was picturing fat bearded Jim Morrison <laughs> singing this. And you know what I was picturing? I was picturing the down and out Ron Burgundy. Oh yeah. Where he's drinking all the milk. My sweet brick. <laughs> 
Milk was yeah. a bad choice. <laughs> oh, it's so damn hot. I think there needs to be a mix there. You can throw in a few uh, fat Ron Burgundy, bearded Ron Burgundy into some L.A. woman. There I think go. Will Ferrell would make a make a great fat Jim Morrison. Oh, totally, totally. Well, there you have it. Those are the uh, top five songs. I'm disappointed in you that you didn't even make MGMT an honorable mention. I went with some kitsch here, and I apologize. I didn't go with That's cool. That's kitschy. Well, it's not... Mm. Not really? yet. They're they're on the brink of cool. But MGMT. Right now so really great band, by the way. What is the what's the song you're referring to? Uh, kids. Do you have I it? Actually have it. I have do it. Do you have it? Yeah. Shall we take it into? Uh, are we breaking here? What are we doing? No, we're doing news here. Oh, we've got a break. <laughs> Didn't we already break? Did we not already break? Isn't it right. creepy though when you have little kids screaming at the beginning of a song? This whole song sounds creepy to me. That keyboard tone is unnerving to me for some reason. <laughs> The song is really creepy and I don't know why. I think that you were inspired by uh, Buckner and Garcia's Pac-Man Fever instrumentation to think of this song. Uh, You know what it is? If I'm ever in a band that gets interviewed somewhere, I'm going to say that we're all, I'm going to say that we're modeled on Illegal Alien by Genesis. (laughs) We draw most of our inspiration from Illegal Alien by Genesis. And what were we going to ask Chris too about his glasses? Oh, yeah. What's up with your glasses? You're wearing new spectacles. Yeah, it should be uh, noted that uh, I went on a bender while I was in Phoenix and tell you, that makes that Illegal Alien song uh, sound really good <laughs> the day after. Uh, yes, uh, Scottsdale, I found myself at some point kind of blacking out, and I had no idea that I did this, but I was so drunk on vodka that I went sprinting across Scottsdale Boulevard in Scottsdale uh, so fast that people describe me as uh, the late Jackie Joyner Kersey, and I'm no, by no means a look, you know, a ringer for her, but... Uh, Pulled aside, I was tackled. Uh, my glasses were knocked off. Scratched against the sidewalk and a wall. I'm not quite sure. I'm still trying to put the pieces together. But what I do know is that I uh, did find myself vomiting in an alleyway. And uh, much like Jim Morrison. Sexy. Oddly enough. And uh, later, that, uh, late, later that morning, I did text the people that did carry me up to my room, my fourth floor uh, bungalow. <laughs> Uh, in the lovely downtown Scottsdale area, I did text them and said, thank you for making sure I didn't die in a gutter. I owe you one. That's love. And so, what is it, your glasses just fell off and they were... They, they fell off. I uh, caused 450, uh, I almost said $450,000, $450 <laughs> worth of damage to my glasses that I'm now getting repaired currently. Well done. Yeah. That is, uh, oh, and I, I think I... I think hires the classiest people. Let me tell you this. You know. There is nothing. When you wake up and you find out that your pants... I, I was wearing my back, my, my, my underpants, but my pants were removed. And I'm like, how did that happen? Apparently, I did that myself. Did you have I a peculiar no stabbing pain anywhere? No, I did not. Did no, you have any dreams no. of wrestling with an amorous walrus? No, I did, oddly enough. But I did find a note that said, we carried you to your room. Call us if you're worried. <laughs> well, that's, that's encouraging. That's really encouraging. That, well, uh, that was uh, that was the weekend, and, and I, I think I'm wearing shoes that may have vomit on them. I may. You know, it's I gotta check. I gotta get the black light out. It's times like this when Les Moonves says, "You know, that's CBS Radio Portland. That's uh, that's a sound investment. That's, that's where my money bad. is the that's is well right. spent." All we right. have fun here. Thank Chris you. Chris Paddock from KUFO, ladies and gentlemen, Rock One KUFO. Back after this with Tim Riley and participants for tomorrow's. Uh, shame food buffet. If you would like to bring your shame food to the studio tomorrow, uh, now is the time to be calling. 503-733-2970. We're looking for four or five people to bring a, a selection of their shame foods. That is, foods you typically eat with no one else around. And we have a surprise after the break, too. What does that surprise wait. sound like? Back after this. It's 503-733-2970. If you want to bring your shame food in tomorrow, uh, stay there. The Rick Emerson Show continues in a moment.
kind of, you know, what, what are my choices for bread? And she said, white wheat, sourdough, English muffin, bagel. White wheat, sourdough, English muffin, bagel. White wheat, sourdough, English muffin, bagel. And clearly she had it hold down to like a whole David Mamet-esque like flow. White wheat, sourdough, English muffin, bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin, bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin, bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin, bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin, bagel. 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 What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin, bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin, bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin, bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin, bagel. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Well, talk about an uninvited guest. An American Airlines flight from Miami to Bogota was delayed after a skunk was found in the back of a cargo hold. Discharging that foul odor throughout the aircraft, the skunk was discovered as workers were loading the plane. When crews tried to remove the skunk, well, the skunk did what skunks do. Nobody was injured. Well, how can you be injured by that? But the odor uh, filled the cabin and passengers were taken off the plane. The skunk combined with the bad weather to cause the plane to take off more than two hours late. It was removed. It's unclear whether it was taken or how it got in the air cut in the first place. A seaplane attempted to take off in an alligator-infested lake. It crashed when it clipped the alligator floating on top of the water. Uh, the seaplane was uh, one of two taking off from Lake Jessup. The pilot identified as uh, William Furr suffered head injuries and a broken ankle. After being pulled from the wreckage, apparently he said the aircraft was clipped by an alligator. A deputies are being reprimanded after another cop was bitten by an alligator. Three Central Florida deputies are being reprimanded after one of their fellow uh, officers was bitten by the eight-foot gator. Apparently, they responded to a call of a large alligator on the loose at an apartment complex. Witnesses say a deputy threw a towel on the alligator, jumped on its back, and tried to wrestle it while he was thrown out the alligator's back and then bitten. His pants are ripped up and blood was gushing out everywhere, said a witness. He started limping away. Uh. And the alligator was laughing at him. I, I, I don't believe that the last part is true. Tim. That's what the eyewitness said. The alligator was laughing at him, and in spite, another cop drew a gun and shot the alligator in the head. <laughs> repeatedly. That's what you get for laughing. That's for blasphemy. So one of the tenants said, dude, don't shoot it. Just wait till the alligator people come out. I don't know why they shot it in the first place. And they shouldn't have jumped on it. It wasn't their job to do so. I would distrust anybody who, quote, believes that an alligator is laughing at him. Do alligators laugh? I don't think that's true. I think like that's... oddly. No, I, I don't. I don't believe that that's a thing. That I don't think alligators have vocal cords. I think alligators don't make any noise at all. Maybe so, through their noses. Perhaps. I'm not right. sure. Is that the extent of your news, Tim? Uh, no, we have one more. Excellent. The Japanese seem to invent a useless robot every day yes, that they nobody do. wants. That's all the Japanese do. I mean, at one time they invented the VCR, but since then, nothing really. <laughs> Just an entire, an entire economy based on sushi and sex bots. Uh-huh. So now they've invented a robot for lonely men. She is big, busted, petite, very friendly, and she runs on batteries. Wait, hold on. Yeah. Is there a website, please? Uh, I'm looking here. No. Okay. Not yet. You think they would? It's uh 15 inches tall. 
It kisses on command. Wait, it's 15 inches tall. Yeah. It kisses on command? Mm-hmm. Sarah and I are both putting our hands uh, apart as though we're measuring something. Well, I guess you have to be on your knees then to receive a kiss. <laughs> <laughs> Would you now, Tim? Yes. Hey, now. Uh, uh, the target audience, it sells for $175. men? <laughs> The target audience is lonely men. <laughs> wow, I was just kidding. <laughs> it puckers up uh, for nearby human What cats, puckers up? The lips. Oh. And uh, it's what the designers call the love mode. It's strong and tough and durable. It's 15 inches. I don't understand. Are you sure it's 15 inches That's high? What it says here. It's 15 inches 15 high. 15 inches high is less than a foot and a half. Well, it's for very lonely men. But, I mean, that's basically She's just... She's lovable. She can act like a real girlfriend, it says here. She can act like a real 15-inch 15 15-inch tall girlfriend. They want to break the uh, stereotype and provide a robot that's sweet and interactive. They call, it also hands out business cards, sings, and dances. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand. I don't understand. What does that even mean? What do you mean it sings and dances? That's the Japanese. And they're, they're an industrious people. What do you mean it hands out business cards? <laughs> business cards for who? No. For, for kisses, I suppose. It hands out business cards, sings and dances. It's made by for Sega. Ki- it hands out business cards for kisses? <laughs> Are these taco kisses? <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Or sushi kisses, I suppose. By the way, Japan is home to uh, half the world's 800,000 industrial robots. And all the world's crazies. And they say this this is uh, going to be part of a $10 billion Hold on. Uh, robot market for lonely men. I'm trying to find Japan, the picture. Japan, robot. That's going to be hard. They make a robot every day. Robot, lonely men. All right, hold He's on. Big bus okay, here we go. Okay, no, I'm looking. Here we go. Here's a picture of it. Wait, how did you find that? It shows. I went to Google you know what? This this robot also kisses women because in this picture, this robot is kissing a woman. Let's see here. Here we go. Japanese lady robot mm-hmm. uh, or Japanese robot uh, designed for the loneliest of men. All right, let's see. I'm just Put waiting. it in the love mode. Wait. For the loneliest some people, of men. Some people are always in love mode, Tim. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. She's lovable, although she's not human. She acts like a real girlfriend. All right, now see now. Of course, it's, 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 it's taking <laughs> forever to load here. Um, I guess it's only for 15-inch men, then. In height. <laughs> if you want to kiss. In height. Thanks, Tim. Well, I, I thought I'd clarify that. Okay, well, I'm looking. Here's Okay, this is a really frustrating thing. I can, it is if you're a lonely man, and it's only 15 inches tall, I suppose. I'm trying to find... Uh, I mean, they've got little tiny pictures here. It's that frustrating. Oh, it is thing. a tiny object. It's this frustrating thing of like, it, okay, here we go. All right. Here. Did you find it? Yeah, but it's it's weird. I mean, I know that goes without saying. Maybe I'm not. sorry. I'm just being quiet while I'm looking at the story. Okay, look at the look at this though. Here's a picture of this tiny robot, and you can only see it from the boobs up. Oh, that's weird. But right. it doesn't even look human. I. I I, I don't even see its legs. No. Uh, and There it's, must be a reason for that. And the idea, uh, I mean, this is, there's so many things to talk about. I'm looking, if you can see this, by the way, at UK, uk.reuters.com. Mm. Japanese makes robot, uh, I'm sorry, Japan, Japan makes robot girlfriend for lonely men. Okay, here's a video. You know what it looks like? It looks like a female version of that RoboSore thing they were selling at Christmas. Robos, doesn't RoboSore? <laughs> doesn't RoboSore sound like some sort of an ailment you get right. from a sex doll? So here, here's a story about it. Reuters. Japan, home to robot babies, musicians, and even pets, now has its first humanoid hottie, Sega's Emma. Short for eternal, maybe actualization, 
The 38-centimeter curvaceous cyborg blows kisses, that sings, like a real girl and shakes its groove things. Using infrared sensors and battery power, the diminutive damsel offers smooches to nearby human heads, entering what designers call its love mode. Sega's Minako Sakanoue says target consumers are men over 20. She's very lovable, and though she's not a human, she can act like a real girlfriend. Japan, home to almost half the world's 800,000 industrial robots, envisions a 10 billion AI market within a decade. Emma, who also hands out business cards, hey. will strut her way to Japanese store shelves by September for about $175, and Sega hopes to sell 10,000 of the adult-oriented androids within a year. Dan Sloan, Reuters oh, Those two lady robots are getting together. They're you know what that you know what that leads to, Tim. Uh -huh. The next thing they'll be wanting to wanting to marry a robot horse. Uh -huh. I I uh, okay. Does it have a different outfits you can dress it in, or <laughs> is that really a thing you desire, Tim? I don't know. I'm I can look wondering. into it. Would you like me to see if I can get a demo model? Well, they're saying you gotta for... get one for Richie. Oh, that's true. Okay. All right, so. Now let's move off. We don't have, you know what, what we meant to do is we meant to find people to come in for the shame buffet tomorrow. We never we don't have any time to do that now probably. Oh, can well, we, we have another email? break still? We can take yeah, we said so I think that we should okay, do well, that. So before we do this, so we have uh, so now we went from having zero boxes of macaroni and cheese crackers to having three boxes of macaroni and cheese crackers. So Thanks thank to you Chris to, and Steve -o. to Chris and Steve-O who dropped us. And they come in listen to this. I know you don't like the white cheddar. Uh, I do, though, and they, apparently they also come in uh, white cheddar flavor. So, um, so and mild cheddar. So do you have mild? What flavor do you have over there? Um, what cheddar. flavor is this? So cheddar. here, here. Oh. There's cheddar, and I've got the mild cheddar. Do you, Tim, you intend to dip them in marshmallow fluff? Is that why that's there also? I don't know. Uh, no. Uh, but so we, we meant to find uh, some folks to come in oh. for the, to our shame food buffet tomorrow where people would bring in uh, sort of like, you know, uh, like here's a guy. I get Cinnabons, and I cover them in magic shell caramel. Um, but we meant to do a shame food buffet tomorrow, but we don't really have time to solicit for that now because the show's only... We have another break? Yeah. So, the, yeah, the show's only got like, uh, you know, like nine minutes left or All something. Right, I've been waiting to open it so I didn't smell it before. All right. Oh. All wow, right. they're bigger than I thought they'd be. All right, you go first. Oh, they're like Cheetos. What do they taste like? I they taste like Cheez-Its. Yeah, they taste like Cheez-Its. They don't taste like macaroni. I would say that, I would say to me they don't taste like Kraft macaroni. Sarah? No, they're good. So they just branded them mac and cheese to appeal to the macaroni and cheese crowd. I don't know. There's a hint of there's a hint, there's a hint of, of noodle. something there. Hold on. i got to eat more of these. Tim, you want some? No, oh, thank you. <laughs> Hmm. I don't know. They're good. Okay, I'm saying for me they just taste like Cheez-Its. Which is unfortunate because I don't really like Cheez-Its. Right. I will buy the white cheddar ones though, and I'll give those a try because I'm gullible. And you know who are we fooling? We'll continue to eat these anyway. Let me hold on. Let me you try have 15 the minutes to go. Huh. You can polish out the third box if you're hurry. Oh, now these taste a lot more like macaroni. They and really cheese. do. These taste like um, like cheesier goldfish crackers. The mild cheddar do. Hmm. Okay, these. Okay, the mild cheddar, just like that goldfish crackers. The regular cheddar, this tastes like Kraft macaroni. Oh, Tim's leaving. Bye, Tim. Bye, Tim. All right. Hold on. Let me, let me try one more handful here. These are the uh, macaroni and cheese crackers. 
Very decent, though. This is the sort of thing I can justify to myself, though, because I did bicycle. Mm-hmm. So did I. We're just... I like the cheddar ones better. Those aren't bad. No, not bad They're at all. They're really salty, though. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right. Well, should we ask some people to call in, take our last break, and then, um, like, get the phone call set up? Over the break? Well, do you, think, do you think we have time here? All right. Yeah. Well, hold on. Let me just... Ow! Oh! You passed me the Ow, oh, I, oh, I hurt myself. Ow, yeah, I injured myself. All right. Uh, well, we can try. I don't know uh, what will, how much we'll be able to do here in the last... Now, now my mouth... Uh, now I'm drooling. Oh, God, I'm disgusting. Ugh. Uh, I am covered in ribbons of shame! Um, mm. all right. Oh, my God, that bite tasted like macaroni. Here is the... Could we be more pathetic? Just look at us. I mean, really, just look at us. Could we be <laughs> more desperate and horrible? Well, I'm glad we have... See, you know, Sarah... I was enjoying myself until you made me feel ashamed. No, no, no. But see, can I say this, Sarah? This is why, you know, this is why I love you. Because you and I... I'm sorry for those two days that I was on the diet and we couldn't bond like this. Okay. Because now we're back where we ought to be, Sarah. <laughs> eating bad food together and feeling, uh, feeling, you know, horrible and shameful. Yet at the same time, feeling okay about it because we're both doing it. And we can have secret pizza in the kitchen. Exactly. Because if you both do something, it's not a sin. <laughs> All right. So... Well, here's the thing. We can try to do this. I don't know that it's going to work. We can attempt to do it, though. Okay. So here's the deal. If you would like to be part of the Rick Emerson Shame Food Buffet tomorrow, here's what you need to do. We'll see if this works. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Well, we can see if we can set this up with some folks by, uh, you know, tomorrow by the end of the show. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Seven three three two nine seventy. If you would like to come in and bring something for the Rick Emerson Shame Food Buffet happening tomorrow, around two o'clock. So we will take calls on the other side of the break. If you would like to be part of that, you call right now. Five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. We'll be back after this. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Here's the drive-by truckers. All right. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Radio Program. All right, well, let's go through these calls. We'll see. We didn't get a chance to do this earlier in the day. We're just so busy with things. Um, let's see what we can uh, put together here in terms of a uh, shame buffet for tomorrow. If you would like to bring your particular shame food in for the buffet tomorrow, uh, this is the time to be calling. We'll go through these fun. Hi, who is this? This is Steve. Hello, Steve. Steve-o. I what? actually just dropped off uh, the cheesy are you one? You're yeah. one of the, uh, the the cracker droppers. Yes, I am. Excellent. Thank what you, Steve. Those are awesome. What is your shame food? Well, you know, I don't even know where to start. Uh, I, I think one of my uh, favorite of all time, though, was the uh, SpaghettiOs, and you scoop it up with Wonder Bread. Oh. You just kind of, you know, spoon it to your uh, mouth. Oh, okay. I think I speak for everyone when I say that. No. No. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I know that we're trying to be open-minded about everything. There's just certain things I can't cotton to, and one of them is anything scooped up with Wonder Bread. You, you can, well, you grab with it. You know, you kind of you, you, you use the bread for grabbing, not necessarily uh, spooning. Wow! You, you, and it, with with the meatballs too. You no, can, you can... regrettably, no. That's a that's a thing on which we're going to have to pass, my friend. All I'm... right. Well, thank you. Thank that's you, Steve. Thank you, though. All right. Well, maybe this isn't going to work. Higher <laughs> on the we got like seven hundred emails from people who have their shame food, but we'll see if this actually works. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hi. Hey, you, you take a you take a brick of cream cheese, and there's this uh, uh, chili sauce at Safeway. It's in a in a clear jar. It says homemade chili sauce. At Safeway. 
Uh-huh. Safeway. Yeah. You pour it over the top and you eat it with wheat thins. All right. Now, is this a thing that you yourself eat? Uh, all the time. Now, Sarah, how do, we, <laughs> how do we feel about maybe giving this a try on the shame buffet? Awesome. And, and if you use the, the big wheat thins, you know, the king size, mm-hmm. you don't have to use a knife to cut the cream cheese. You just slice it with the Slicing cracker. it with, with the wheat thins. Now, yeah. is this a thing that you are able to bring to the studio tomorrow? Unfortunately, I, I don't think I can park my extremely 60, large, 60-foot 60 uh, truck next to your studio. Well, all right then. All right, but thank you. It's cheap to make. I mean, the cream, the sauce is like three bucks. All right, thank you for the suggestion, my friend. Okay. All right, maybe this go. is maybe this is the gods telling us not to shove our faces full of fatty goodness. Maybe tomorrow. it's just not gonna. It's, I mean, we really did get. And the problem is, uh, I had thought. Here's the other way I thought about doing it. Uh, I had thought about going through all. I mean, really, just hundreds of emails from people. I mean, you remember that segment we did where people were just calling in with like just just the weirdest, greatest combinations of things that they ate when no one else was around, like mm-hmm. sort of secret indulgences. And I thought about trying to pick ourselves, trying to pick like five of them. And then do it ourselves in the studio, and, but, but then it's like I realized that we're not, I wouldn't really know how to do it. Like, who knows if we're even doing it to accurately? I mean, that just seems too—I don't know—that just seems too difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, Rick. It's uh, John from Pizza. We got a chicken cordon bleu pizza for you. It starts with cream cheese sauce. It gets mozzarella, Swiss chicken, ham. You know, it, it's, it's ham. Yeah. Canadian bacon. Uh, is this a thing you make yourself? Absolutely. Yeah, is it good? Absolutely is fantastic. It, is it bad for you? Oh, for sure. Excellent. All right, my friend. Thank you for the suggestion. Sure. All right, thank you. All right. All right, maybe we shouldn't. Maybe it's just a, maybe that's a thing that works better in I feel theory. like we peaked with our with our Easy Mac crackers. I suppose. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, I just go with the real basic just a can of, of that canned frosting and your finger. <gasps> like the frosting <laughs> with like little colored chunky things in it? Um, any kind of can frosting. Cheaper is better. I like the idea that for you, you don't even necessarily require a third-party object with which to scoop. It's just you use nature's scoop. Yeah, you know, it's all natural. It's organic. Uh, sure. so, thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, I think end. I could deal without hearing the phrase nature's scoop again. And we'll end on that. Don't even uh, don't even get me started on nature's purse. All right. Oh. Uh, I think we'll end with that. When are we? Uh, how long do we have? And okay, thank you. Well. Maybe I'll just bring in some more crackers tomorrow. Uh, it's uh, 503-733-2970. Make a note. We are back tomorrow at 11 a.m. We want to thank CNN Radio correspondent Rachel McGrath for joining us today. Also, Lisa Desjardins and author Chuck Palinick for and joining us in the studio. And thank you, Court and Fatboy, for making that possible. Thank you for Court and so Fatboy. If you'd like to hear their interview with Chuck Palinick, it's tonight at 8 p.m. on Rock 101 KUFO. Also, we want to thank Big Jim from Rock 101 KUFO. Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for AM 970 Solid State Radio, with whom I am an... Uh, I'm a... I was going to say that I was... I was going to say it was a sister in shame, but that just sounds weird. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, in the newsroom, Tim Riley and the phone's Richard Bristol, the gatekeepers, Dave Zinn. You know the rest. Fill it in. We'll be back tomorrow at 10 for the recap, 11 for the show. Thank you for listening. Be safe. Don't let the master drain it. I'm a huge. Watch out for snakes. Bye now. What kind of, you know, what, what are my choices for bread? And she said, white wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel.